Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August 23rd, 2020. Welcome to my world where I explain the sciences behind the system that runs pretty well everything. And at the top, of course, you have conology, a term I coined years ago to do with the art of persuasion by the elites using professionals to give your opinions and to fool you. And any good con, when you've all heard about confidence tricksters, it's, it's much higher than even the confidence trickster, uh, because confidence tricksters never work in such big teams for their stings. But what you do find is that they pick their target, and when they pick their target, the target must basically get involved in the game and consent to it. Generally, they think they're going to think they're going to get something for nothing. That's how it generally works. And you can see how in 20 years, really, and before that as well, of course, with free this and free that, if you buy two, you can get ten and all this nonsense to do with shopping and saving. It's called mousetraps in the trade, as they call it, in public relations and marketing. And so they, they offer you all these little things to, to pull you in. And when they pull you in, they want your name, address, and phone number, your DNA, and everything else. You know, maybe even your firstborn, depends what you're getting. And you comply with it, thinking you're going you're to win. And it's based on winning. Uh, the game theory, too, on winning this idea that everybody's out for themselves. And they like to win. And sure enough, I've met people who are addicted to gambling, uh, maybe uh, lots of you out there too may have similar experiences with people they know, and maybe even relatives. And it, it's a real addiction. You'll meet them. Uh, they're not into heavy drinking generally and things like that. It's just gambling. And it's the feeling that they're winning something that is their big high and that they release off tremendous endorphins and, and they feel fantastic at the time. They've done something. They're, they've got value suddenly. And... It's, it's of course, it doesn't last long because they've got to win again if they can, but the house never loses, as they say in gambling. Uh, it doesn't matter how, if you keep going back and back, you, you lose it all again, and a lot more besides that. And it, and it really is a, a bad addiction. And some good book, books have been put out there by people who were addicted to gambling and who've got out of it through, with a lot of help, etc. But it shows you how it destroys our lives. And... Uh, and don't forget that you've got to remember, too, there's a whole, a whole industry based around gambling, massive industry. And you don't think about it as, as, except what you see, like roulette tables or horses or dogs, the dog tracks and so on. But there's a massive um, science behind it, too, to prompt the customer to the next step, the next step, and the next step, always with the lure of winning something extra. Uh, and a whole, as I say, a whole science behind it. Well, it's the same with all chronology. Uh, that you are the target, and governments go to no ends using your tax money uh, to employ people who are awfully good at what they do. Some are awful as well, mind you, they come up with children's ideas that have been done before, but they're well connected because we live in a terribly corrupt society. But, uh, but they, yeah, these persuaders, these, these advanced-type persuaders, understand behaviorism and psychology and consumerism with the Bernese techniques too that he got from his uncle, supposedly his uncle Freud 
and of, of how the unconscious drive, there's a lot of drives in the unconscious to give you, again, self-worth and things like that, again, getting back to winning and what you want to, and what you, you like to have, but you know, if you've got common sense, you could never afford this, or even if you, if you could afford it, uh, you might not be able to afford the upkeep on a very expensive uh, top-class Rolls-Royce or something like that, or even insurance on it, <laughs> for that matter. So you don't do it, generally. Generally, you don't. So the idea is to make you really, really greedy and through motivational techniques, because that's what the motivational pe- people do to you with their hand flapping on stages to run up and down to stop you thinking for yourself, to make you feel excited, and then they sell you the, the idea or the product. And, and the idea is the product, and, um, and you buy it from them, the techniques of how to do it. But it's short-lived again. It's, 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 it's a, a very short-lived uh, lived idea that you're omnipotent to an extent. You, you can browbeat anybody if you just scream loud enough and keep insisting and demanding. Uh, that's what most of it's really based on. Uh, and they produce an awful lot of unpleasant characters. And so we're all fed up with them. I'm sure you've met lots of salesmen like that too. And women too. Women are better at it actually. Uh, if you look at the drug companies, they employ attractive young women and who are dressed to the nines with the best expensive clothing to go around the doctor's offices. And they, they drop off after having little friendly chit-chats on first-name basis and so on. Uh, they drop off lots of free drugs to try by their drug companies for the doctors to start dishing out. Everything works on basic psychology and human nature, and you exploit it, and it works awfully well, in fact. So, getting back to chronology, everything is run by the art of chronology. Many years ago, I remember reading a book about politics, one of the many books. I was never really into I knew just instinctively it was a lot of nonsense and a technique of just managing the general public for some other group, obviously, above them. Because the people you met or you heard about us on TV uh, weren't the brightest. They were, they were pattern merchants, as we call them. Again, salesman types, but they were not the brightest of all. And if they were tripped up by a good reporter in a very quick interview, during a, what they call a flash interview on the steps of number 10 or whatever it was, or, or the parliament building, uh, they'd often quit back the wrong thing. It would get them in trouble. So they were, they were always taught by their handlers. And the politicians, by the way, all have handlers <laughs> uh, to manage them. They even have acting lessons. Uh, again, they, they put it to, they charge the taxpayers for their acting lessons. I did the article a few years ago on that one in Britain. And other countries do it. And, of course, they're all taught again, never to answer a question directly, if it's any, if it's sensitive at all, or, or if it's going to commit you to any agenda, uh, you just ask the question you'd wish they'd ask you. That's why when you hear them getting asked straight questions, the answer back this: what, what are they talking about? Well, that's their, that's their wish question. You see, it's nothing to do with what was asked of them, and it's all a con. And again, the public to even bother voting. You understand, young people are idealistic. And I've got over the, the destructive phase of revolution. Uh, you, you'd think that they'd eventually catch on and say, wait a minute here, it's all corrupt. And, and you'd hope they'd get, you'd get even further and realize that the revolutionary leaders are all corrupt as well. And they don't take from much higher powers, generally the very ones you're protesting or managing it at the top.
I'm not kidding you. <laughs> That's how it really works. It's a vastly different, reality is a vastly different system than what you think it is, what you're trained to think it is. And getting back to the idea of chronology, they give you new normals. And now you see a rapid uh, introduction of new normals all the time. All the time. Years ago I wrote poems about new normals, years and years and years ago, to come up with the term. And it's widely used since. But but you'll find that uh, the folk do adapt rather quickly now, especially under panic. You know, the, the herd instinct, as they call it, and the herd mentality, it's all aimed at the herd, at the general population. So, so is all kinds of warfare, and weaponry, by the way. You know, If you look at bioweaponry, biowarfare, it is designed to hit the, the most amount of people possible, sometimes. But even then, if the ones are designed for the, the maximum damage on an enemy population, and biowarfare, won't get everybody, they accept that. There's always, there's always individuals who have, have some kind of immune system difference that, that enables them to, to escape it. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a gene or a pair of genes. That's enough to get them, to make them survive it. So you, you seldom have, never have a, a truly 100% cull, you see. But you also have ethnic-specific viruses. I did the talk, I think, in the, in the late 90s again, on the reporters that were that would enter, I think it was from the Telegraph, perhaps. The, te- the Telegraph paper, newspaper in Britain, was was well connected with the military-industrial complex, and even for good public relations for the military or special forces, they would often use the Telegraph and, and tip them off, and or even get them to put out little. If something came out we didn't want, they'd get the Telegraph to do an in-depth interview, that type of thing, which would cover the tracks and expose some stuff at the same time to keep the public happy. And um, But a reporter did go in to, and I think it was from the Telegraph, could be wrong, to Portland Downs. Other ones went in too, in occasional PR pieces. And they did talk to the scientists, some of the scientists that worked on creating deadly viruses and, and bacterium and anthrax and everything else. And and who tested it on animal populations, and perhaps we never know because the number admits it naturally, on human populations in other countries in third world countries. That's that was common, um, and I'm sure it's still common today. You know, I'll touch on that later, perhaps, because it's, it's even some in some awfully good fictional works as well, or semi-fictional works about using test populations, whether in Africa, for instance where they can contain it when it's a more remote area. They could contain it and observe it and study it much better. Ebola was, was came out that way too, by the way. So once again, we're, we're living in a very controlled system. The world, to, to them, is a laboratory. The general population are the lab rats in, in the laboratory and mice. And even the terminology they use with the population is similar. You see, there's, there's real beings... Uh, the important people, the somebodies, and then there's the rest, you see, the, the lab rats and the mob and all the other uh, terms that they have for the general population. Um, politicians have it too, and politicians um, at the top, all their leaders belong to the same clubs, especially one big club <laughs> at the top. And Carl Quigley did go through that, and others have done it since, uh, about... Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations or Royal Institute for International Affairs 
and all that. The guys who gave you world government ideas and worked towards it up to the present time. And they see the world as theirs. They have no problem employing great uh, people in academia, by, in other words, great minds in their particular fields, to utilize the techniques of mass persuasion on the general population, cultural change of all kinds on the general population. And, and the sad truth is, with enough time and money behind it and the repetition, they can generally get the public to, to accept whatever it is they're pushing. And yet, most things that are used to persuade you to do something that perhaps you shouldn't do, the terms that Aldous Huxley talked about on his interview with um, Mike Wallace, who said that the techniques that they had then, in the 1950s, uh, were effective on persuasion, persuading the public. And I said, perhaps these techniques are are so persuasive and effective that they're making people accept things that perhaps it's not in their best interest to accept. Well, it's much worse today with the techniques that are used. And you have a consolidation of pretty well all big media and entertainment too. Remember in the... um, the European Union uh, video put up where they had a lot of the big players there, the persuaders on their own populations, that is, the, the ministers, the ones people are appointed to do this, that, and the other for the European Union. They had um, there for the vaccinations, you see. And that's what their, their title of their talk was. We were pro vaccination, basically. We are vax. And you'll hear, as I mentioned last week, uh, one of them actually mentioning that amongst, amongst the many things and programs that were unrolling on the public and unleashing on the public uh, was to using taxpayers' money again, unlimited money, eh, to insert all these messages into dramas and fictional plays and all the TV stations and so on. And they'd fund these plays and, and just put in, you know, like disease and, and, and um, immunity and herd immunity and death and all that kind of stuff. And comply and vaccination, 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 over and over. In t- and it doesn't matter what kind of play it was or movie or whatever, just get it in there. And that was nothing new. Because, see, this is used all the time on you with many topics. You see? And I'm getting back. This is, I'm still in the whole art of chronology. Uh, because, it's, again, the first thing is to give a, a fake reality to the general public. It's quite easy to do because you see your parents or our parent depends because you're under war, remember. This is a war scenario, constant war, a changing battlefield of war all the time. Financial, uh, with the family too involved or the destruction of the family or the new family is the one they call it as well. And they came out with a nuclear family, and now they have the real nuclear family, because you can see right through you, believe you me, and living about you, that is the true nuclear family they were really tra- talking about. So, y- y- people don't know you. You think you're growing up in your own little bubble again, in your generation, you look around you to the left and the right, and there's all the bubbles of your generation going along with you, like a straight line you see, just ahead of you, you've got the older bubbles living in their generations, and if everything was normal to them it is, is drifting off, and you're replacing it with your new normals, which you think you all do yourself. Somehow, somehow you think that you designed the clothing that we're not, you didn't. Somehow you think you designed the, the, the hairstyles. No, you didn't. 
it's somehow you think that you you designed the music that was promoted, but you know you didn't. Because you see, there are institutions above all these things. This is all part of the culture industry. And they decide what's going to be pushed and what isn't, you see. Do you really think that suddenly, suddenly, after lots of, you know, different music and so on, yeah, you had rock and all the rest of it, you had the glam rock and until the, until the guys were, oh, there, was, there was more hair lacquer on them than, than, than hair, I think. And things like that. Um, it went down the tubes, but you went right down to rap. Eventually, just, just angry, angry, angry sounds, you know. And that was at double meetings. I talked about it years ago, about how you wrap it up. And the spoken word is awfully important. The spell is the spelling, you see. You can cast a spell by spelling. That's why the, the, the language is so, <laughs> so used before by different groups and occult groups too that run societies and they have little winks and their nods as they talk to each other and you get a different meaning from it. But they, they literally had this in the 1700s and 1800s and movements against it. And yet people who analyzed the words, awfully important, because it meant a lot, you see. The spoken word in, in court is what matters when, when it's uttered, you see. The judge doesn't ask you to spell it. He asks you to speak it. And you're judged by every every word that comes out your mouth. I think it goes way back to the Bible, too. So people, but people get confused with it. And you think of the English language. Why on earth would it have so many words where one word could be spelled differently two or three times but uttered the same way? It's, it's different on a, for a purpose, obviously. And it is. It actually is. They don't really need such coding today so much because, because they're, they are so interwired with the encrypted um, programs for their own communications at the top, way beyond anything we can imagine. You know. And true, it's really true enough that the folk can't imagine how far advanced all these things are today. But the spell is spelling. It casts a spell. And you get back into it. So now we can also use the, the fact the words can mean something else on the general public when, when you want them to buy something. Again, the subconscious takes it a different way. You can manipulate the mind by using uh, subconscious or almost almost unconscious but subconscious suggestions to them without them uh, twigging onto it uh, as to why they want, suddenly want to drink this brand of beer or something. A sudden urge for it. Of course, the, the, the easiest things to talk about are candies, and, and cakes and things like that. It's very, people are very suggestible that way, very simple. But again, language is awfully, awfully important. And remember, language also can be visual. Colors are a language as well, for those who haven't figured that out as well. Um, colors are very important. You're living in, in a world that hasn't been explained to you. In fact, Great pains are made to make sure that you don't really learn them as well, what's really going on. Again, Jacques E. Lowell, a tremendous um, philosopher, very straightforward and honest about things, uh, who's deceased now, but he, he, uh, he talked about propaganda and how you must get the children early for an, an initial indoctrination. Now you think about it, so what are you doing? You, you, if you have... If you're in power, if you have a, you're part of a, a structure of power that manages millions of people in a nation, 
then what you have to do is standardize thought. If you can standardize thought, then you're pretty well guaranteed, not exactly by certainly by persuasion, but pretty well guaranteed. Eventually, you have a population growing up. If you continue at it, they can come to conclusions, predetermined conclusions, by the rulers, which what they want you to come to. It's very easy then, you see. That's why most folk around you today that really have never questioned these things, they've never really figured it out. They can't imagine how um, what you're talking about half the time. Um, they really can't. They can't imagine what you're talking about. What are you talking about? What, what, they, they've never heard of what all these terms and, and these things that you say happen. They've never heard of them. And, and yet, here you are, you're, you're telling it to them. And it's completely foreign to them. It's outside their ken, as they say. And they will test it out. You know, and so-and-so said this. You know what he said? And they'll, they'll prattle it off to them. And they say, oh, that's crazy. Because those who've never really... Those, it's like a vaccination if it's taken on the level, if it's worked, as they say. Uh, then uh, then uh, you know, that's it. And their indoctrination has really worked. Their initial indoctrination worked awfully well at school. And then it's, it's built upon through the curriculum that this, this drummed, or done, this call it dunned into them. Uh, so uh, it's worked awfully well. Why, why should, I've mentioned it before, why should... The tribe that you're born into, because you still think tribally in like a small tribe, even though you're in a big city or a nation with millions, you still think like a small tribe. That's your nature. It's in you. It doesn't matter what country you're in. And you, you take for granted as a mammal that the older ones are going to take care of you and warn you and look after you. That, that's what all, how all mammals work, you see. And you expect the elders and, and the parents, put that way, to, to take care of and warn you what's bad or dangerous to you. And if, and if you don't get initial indoctrination by the parents, they'll walk right up to, to something that's going to eat them without any fear, you see. And that's how, how mammals work. Well, that, all the things that, that makes us tick, this, that's well studied, is what's picked apart in order to exploit us by using our nature, you see. So it's impossible for most folk to think that, that those at the top that you've voted in, or your parents, or your grandparents, or whatever it happens to be put in there, are, are, are not working for your best interests. It's terribly sad. But that's, that's really how it works. It's very simple. And then when they want to, to have you go, to go off to war for, for, for a few people at the top, they want resources or control over energy supplies or whatever it happens to be. Uh, they'll use the nation and they'll, they'll use the taxpayer to fund it all uh, so the big corporations can profit. Uh, but most folk never figure that out either. They're, they're given, oh, what to go to war against these people because they're the worst thing that, that ever hit the world since, since Satan, you see. And uh, they're given very simple propaganda because if it's too complicated a story, it can be picked apart. So you keep it simple until you're just left with great chasms which you can't jump over. And that's how they do it. It's very simple stuff. So all the changes that are happening today, to me, are boring because I talked about them at least in, in the 90s, publicly. And before that, even, and, and smaller groups and so on. But 
I knew it all because obviously, and they, they do publish all their, their, their stuff. I really did the reading, the real stuff. I didn't copy somebody else's bio. I just really did it. And I talked about it in the 90s on radio shows. And I says, you know, this is what's coming down the pike. Because they publish the stuff. And this is what they wanted to happen. Let's say that comes from foreign relations as an example. And the coterie of big think tanks, they have thousands of them across the whole planet. They have them in every nation in the world. I think without exception that these think tanks all work together. And because they're all working, they're all pre-selected at the top. That just like the politicians in every nation are pre-selected at the top. As Quigley said, all we need is, is, is one or two people, like a president or a vice president or a prime minister, deputy prime minister, whatever, in every party, you see. So it doesn't matter who gets in, they're on the same agenda. That's why the agenda never changes. You would think long ago the public would have said to the United Nations, uh, that's it, we've had enough with you, but with this international, strange international communism you're pushing, where you won't even let the developing nations do their own thing and manage it themselves. Even, there's no way they'd be allowed to do that. They just won't, they won't allow it at all. It's like sustainability. They're going to keep Africa frozen, basically, and, and time, because uh, too much energy would destroy what's left of the, na- of the nation, etc. It's for depopulation. That's what it is. Of course it is. But it isn't just Africa. The, the, the eugenicists started with Europe. The advanced nations, uh, technically, technological and agriculturally, and so on, advanced nations, to sterilize them first. Interesting, that, isn't it? You, you, and that's what makes people say, well, who on earth are these folk that manage us? Well, they obviously don't like you. Uh, uh, even the ones that seem to be born amongst you, are they really of you or not? <laughs> if they ask these questions, how come they have no affinity with you? Well, psychopaths don't. We know that. Psychopaths don't have affinity for you. And, and some of them seem to revel in their ideas of mass, mass culling of the planet, you know, from the days of Thomas Malthus right up to the present. One must remember, too, the Huxleys. I mean, Huxleys, I think it was the, 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 the beginning, the guy who made his name, actually, was um, Thomas Huxley, Sir Thomas Huxley. He was united eventually, who became Darwin's bulldog uh, to push the Darwinian theories after Darwin died. Because it tied in with this, this idea that had been talked about for an awful long time, many, many centuries, long before Darwin, of who, of who was superior to others within nations, too, you see. And nobility had always saw that as, as a right. And they, they were from God, remember. They thought they were appointed by God if you're royalty in Europe. That's a good one, that one, isn't it? You can't touch me. God put me here. And uh, we'll argue with that then, hey? And that, that became a real problem with lots of kings and queens over time. And they could do no wrong because, after all, since they were from God, God appointed them, you know, that's how they always said, that, uh, well, they could do anything they wanted to. After all, they were like, acting kind of like a, uh, like a, a, a general of God, so they could do what you wanted to do. And they did, you know, at times. Often, I mean, they would, bought, they would, they would literally give whole chunks of lands and cut them away, like, like parts of Scotland and, or England, and, and weddings. And wedding, it's wedding gifts, you see, as it is intermarried the elite with the elite of different nations. It was generally amongst the other cousins. 
today that's, that would seem kind of absurd. I don't know if it is, maybe not, because I think folk today are more gullible. Again, chronology is a better art than it used to be. And folk are more gullible today to, to, to really just accept it, you know. Because you think about that. I can remember giving that talk years ago about how they, they would just give away. I mean, the, the parts of Northern England, Northumbria and so on, they belonged to Scotland at one time, but it was, they were given away a long time ago as a wedding present. And that part of a dowry, I think. It seems absurd. It seemed absurd at the time I was mentioning it and talking about it. But then with the, with the whole free, the European Union idea, what was awfully important was when, it, when we saw the fruition coming, the fruition of the plans of um, free trade, where it's completely tied up with Marxism, where the, the nation states would start to disappear as such. But no one realized it was on behalf of the of big top multinational corporations. And and part of, of England at one point, not a few years back, was really taken over by a, a corporation from, I think, France, you know, maybe even Germany. But but they owned a good part of the, the, the shores, were given a kind of sovereign territory idea uh, under free trade, which wasn't a new idea, because then you find out the FDR set up once inside the US, they're still there today. And the, the countries that put in their businesses in those areas have sovereign rights of, over that territory. Quite amazing, you things that you really don't know, eh? <laughs> but, um, but again, it's back to chronology. So meanwhile, when, when all this is going on, they're still brainwashing children at school. This is your nation, you know. And we're all happy, happy. They, they tell you that you're all, you're, you're all happy, even though you're asked the question, you know. Oh, you have no chance to say we're pretty sad, actually, or we're ticked off. You're told you're pretty happy, and uh, you get all these children's books to read, you see, and and completely loaded with, with political correctness of all kinds today, starting about the age of five. Eh? All paid again by the taxpayer. We pay for our balls and chains, our manacles. We pay for them. Everything that, that, that shackles our brains, literally, we pay for. Big money to the guys who come up with the ideas of how to insert little bits into stories. We've got nothing for children, eh? To make sure they grow up accepting all the new ideas that your masters have decided are going to be normal, new normals, you see. It's quite fascinating, isn't it, when you think about it. So getting back to what I was talking about, about chronology, I haven't really left it, because all I've been talking about is chronology and how you get sucked into it. You, you accept that which is presented to you as real, everything. You're given your opinions, and Allah again went through that, and others have done the same, and I've done it by bits and bytes of information that you don't really consciously think about too much. But somewhere, it's assembling inside your mind, bits and bytes just come together when a question is asked about a particular topic, and you'll just blurt out something if you had bits and bytes off from different you know, newscasters, just little bits and bites, and your opinion comes out of you, and you haven't ever, before this, sat down and thought about it consciously and says, I think I'll choose that as my opinion. It's because it's all given to you. You're led to conclusions. You're always led to your conclusions. It's the art of persuasion, and the art of building consensus is to do with persuasion. 
and consensus management. You're living through it all right now with the idea for COVID, and we must all accept vaccinations for for that and everything else, by the way, that they've got lined up for you. It isn't just for that one. They've got a whole, a whole range of things they want to stick in you. And they want your cooperation, in fact, even your willingness to allow it to happen. Again, chronology must make the victim <laughs> eh, participate in their deception. It's for your own good, you see. If they came up to you and said, knock, knock, knock at the door, we're from the government, we want your house from you. And you said to them, well, why? Well, it's for the greater good. We want to move you all into these tents there, because there's folk already living in those tents over there. And we want the world to be equal. And it's not really... So it'll it'll be good for them to see that you're losing your homes, which we'll then take, you see, to put our toffs in. And then the world will be more equal at your level, you see. And things like that. You say, no, no, darn. But if they can persuade you enough, they can get anything they want. Just like Monty Python, The Meaning of Life, the beginning of that particular movie after the hospital scene with the wonderful machines that go beep, you know, and and, and our two million pounds just for the beep itself, and very impressive little flashing lights. Whether they work or not and do anything is a different story, but that doesn't matter. And then they go on to the idea of um, the men driving up to get livers, if you're consenting to having organs donated, and they come for it, you see, and they, at the end they persuade the wife of the guy that they're just taking the liver from. Uh, to, to put her name down after making her feel so small and insignificant. He says, can, can we have your liver too then? Ah, oh, yeah, okay, go on. And, and, and that's how it's done. You must participate in the con, you see. So it's to do with also belief. Part of, of tyranny of all kinds. You can have wonderful utopic tyrannies where you're kept in cotton wool. And you, you won't have a single thought or decision to make by yourself. It won't, requ- won't even require your thought. You'll just automatically respond Pavlovian style into your conditioning you know, uh, to whatever the, your, your governors, governors want, you see. And you go along with it that way quite happily. Uh, the bitter end is for the greater good, you see. We're all in it together. That, that old slogan, eh? We're all in it together. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it keeps me thinking about a long time ago. I was reading about the RAF, Royal Air Force in Britain. And you had Winston Churchill talking about, we shall fight them on the beaches and all this kind of stuff. And uh, in reality, of course, he was talking about you would be fighting them on the beaches and, and so on. But he, he uh, this is the kind of propaganda they put out for the general public to swallow. Sometimes whole teams work together. Generally, that, that is the case today. You, you seldom get anything coming out of a person from their own brain uh, as a talking head. It's done by teams. Uh, even the radio, you, you, most folk, even, even <laughs> the radio that you think is actually for you, uh, it's got producers and all the rest of it, and it's all worked out and yada, yada, yada. But uh, anyway, Winston Churchill's given these speeches and uh, the, the fireside chat ideas that FDR took on as well. But meanwhile, they, they kept a particular long range. Uh, I don't know if there were Shackletons at the time, or, or that which were the Lancasters. 
which had massive extra fuel tanks added to them, and they, they had a whole, basically a squadron of them, and, and they have two at a time with the engines going for two parts of the war, sometimes, sometimes for weeks on end, and then uh, maybe a cam for a bit, and then on again. Uh, so they could rush their own families and Winston Churchill and the government out of the country to go to Canada. <laughs> so, yeah, you'd be fighting on the beaches, etc. But that's how it's done. You know? and, and, of course, Winston Churchill comes out as the great man for a war that maybe, maybe could have been averted, you know. Because there's a lot of evidence that uh, Hitler really didn't want uh, all the things he was accused of wanting. Um, and I think personally, uh, if some of them had given a, some of the land back that was taken from them after World War One, it might have been averted. But the reparations were guaranteed in another war. They had no, idea, they had no option but to have another war. And some of the top um, observers at the, the treaty in Paris, nineteen nineteen, said the same thing: "This is going to cause another war." Anyway, uh, these things. Uh, but, but again, getting back to generations of people. Um, Getting brainwashed because look what happens. Look, look how easy it is to stir up segments of society. The more differences of peoples and populations, and even ethnic groups, you can get inside a nation. And this isn't rocket science. It's old knowledge. You can certainly always stir up certain. Fr- and other day, even with the genders and so on, and subgenders of the of the subgenders, etc. <laughs> You can, you can really stir up people to, to, to be radical and start um, creating chaos on command pretty well if you want it to happen, especially when you supply the leaders of all these groups, and that's other key to it as well. They do. <laughs> the followers seldom know that, but, but the ones that, uh, who, who are um, following, uh, yeah, they, they, they do. What they're, they're, have you noticed that all the rioters in the States, none, none of them are against the mass vaccinations that are coming? Don't you think that's a bit odd? None of them are, are against the, the wars across the world. No. They get switched on and off by unseen forces, don't they? And um, you, you don't hear in them uh, demanding the, the abolition of the corrupt systems of money and, and having the government you know, coin or, or print its own money as it's supposed to. It's all dished out to foreign groups. And a lot of them are foreign groups, actually, foreign-owned. But you don't hear them saying that, or demand. no, they don't. It's, it's very selective. Eh? Very, very strange anarchists today, don't you? And uh, and very strange uh, communists, huh? where they're getting funded by the richest corporations on the planet, hundreds of corporations, who are all part of the WEF, World Economic Forum, eh? who are all part as well of, of the great reset powers for, for how they're going to run the world. And who are all part of all the all the global <laughs> globalization structures that are, but but the fact is they don't stop. See how come the people that you'd think we'd be protesting, but we're not protesting? How come they're the ones that are funding us all? So what what are you protesting about? What are you at the bottom line? What are you protesting about? If it's all the fault of, of the crooked system, and it is, it's a crooked system, a way above you, a closed door a policy organization at the top, 
how come no one's protesting that? And yet that's, that's a group that's going to fund you to protest other things and protest destruction so they can bring in a new system. It doesn't dawn on, on the followers. They're just full of rage, full of absolute rage. And, and the rage is fostered. Again, that documentary put out by Millie Weaver there, uh, think what you want about it. It's, it's well produced, maybe. Because <laughs> you, you always ask yourself, who really is producing all these things? But you got, you got insight into some, uh, some of the intelligence agencies and how they work and how government works with them and how big corporations, the military-industrial complex, work with them too. And what you see in that too, I'll just touch on it briefly, is the fact that you've got all these people at the bottom getting funded by the biggest, richest corporations on the planet who go to the WEF, these corporations, they run it, who talk about the need to depopulate the planet, etc. They're funding folk to riot in the streets and burn places and defund the police. Well, in the documentary, and I've seen this before in other places as well, <laughs> They've got some some articles mentioned there, and big meetings have been happening over the last year or two. It goes way back for even further than that. They want, don't you understand, these the corporations have already got their bids in to put robots on the streets that you're going to fund anyway. How do you fancy trying to debate with a robot when, when, it's, when, when you're asked, why are you burning down this house? What do you think you're going to tell them? A robot doesn't care about your emotions or your what you've suffered or anything else or your mental state. It doesn't care. But they've got big contracts right now and the, 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 the companies have been named. This is the evolution of the military-industrial complex here from not just this massive surveillance society that was put forth um, uh, they said, what would we do? What, what will we do in a post-war world? Well, we'll have to go into complete surveillance. And then what? Well, and then go into policing the world. So how do you, how do you get folk that they're, again, human beings, we're dealing back to human beings, this problem of human beings, eh? They don't like changing, right? They might not like it if, they, if we just start putting robots on the street. I can remember years ago giving similar talks from the science articles when they had the K9 units, the K, you know, the K9, you know, the letter K. And it was to get used to the ideas of they would take over from actual real dogs for sniffing dogs. And um, they'd be robots, you see. And then they showed you the little quaint little pocket-sized things that some of the guys in customs had that could sniff drugs and sniff this and sniff that. And, uh, and sniff all kinds of unmentionable things, perhaps. But the fact is, they had them years ago. And that, all you do now is start putting it all into the robots eh? and put them on the streets. I think China has already put some out already. They've had articles in the last few weeks about that, and now they're expanding it. Isn't it odd that, again, we're, all, we're called nations that are at loggerheads with each other, aren't we? We're all competing, we've got loggerheads. But they all do the same things at the same time. Eh? That's just coincidence, though, of course. But again, it's the easiest way to get it in this is to get the people to, to, to demand that you defund the police. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? 
get them to demand what you want. Otherwise, in a peaceful society, they would say, oh, I don't want them to be arguing with robots. I mean, how are you going to explain yourself to a robot? You know? That's going through a whole sequence of events. And if, you, if, you, if it decides that you're raising your voice or belligerent or it's deciding that you're mentally unstable because your voice is raising, you might just get zapped or lasered or worse, you see, or tasered. And, or worse. So there you go. Get the people to demand it. Why will they demand it? Because, you see, once you pull the police out, you've got all these social ills that have been building up for years with mass unemployment, mass drug taking of all kinds of stuff, getting shipped in, etc. I've been following the drugs the drugs for years and years and years and years. And, and uh, it's a fascinating thing that they, they just couldn't stop the drugs, eh? Supposedly. And then you find that every intelligence agency and special forces has had people down Latin America and elsewhere, but Latin America all over the place. Because that's how they get their money from their black budgets is the drug trade, massive drug trade. Eh? So it's, uh, it's quite fascinating, as I say. But again, chronology, eh? So you're supposed to sit home, at home, and, and watch these detective stories and what there's that CSI, eh? as they, they diligently, no matter what happened, the poor old the sod that lived on the street and died on this, you got, this whole team's never going to sleep, they can't sleep worrying about this poor old sod that lived on the street and died. They're going to find out what killed them or who killed them, eh? they're going to spend millions on that, because that's what they tell you to do. Do you really believe that? Do you really, really believe that? Oh. But this is what they give you is for reality. Complete fiction. And I mentioned it years ago too, back in the 90s. I said also, here's, here's what they give you. Here's all these complaints. And I reeled off complaint departments for different social things. Even social services. Things that you may need. You'll think, well, maybe I won't ever need those things. Whatever it is. Or help because you're stuck at home and you're, you've been partially disabled or something. Even temporarily. What do you do? Well, you take all these, you know. So you phone up the health this and the health that, and sorry, they can't help you. You find out. I see these are all tools that are put out there for you to use that you think are there. You're paying for them. You know you're paying for them through all their taxes and so on. You say, well, that's wonderful. We've got all these, these things out there to help me if I'm ever in trouble. But they're rubber tools. They're rubber. Because when you whack them on the road, they bounce. Just like a check. You know, poof. They're no use to you. They're not going to do you any good. So the evidence sounds wonderful until you, you need it, you see. The general public are managed. It's the hardest thing to get through their heads that they're actually managed. They're not managed because the agencies are there to help them. They're managed because the agencies are there to, to, to make things work on behalf of the masters who own you all. That's what he was there for. Otherwise, it would be utter chaos, you see, at times. And people don't want to believe they're getting managed, you see. Of course you're getting managed. Of course you're getting managed all the time. Your opinions are given to you, the way you behave are given to you. If you get married, don't get married is given to you. All these things are given to you, you see. A lot of what became you was given to you. I think growing up in, in Britain, it was way ahead of a lot of countries. 
we are uh, with his, uh, some psychological techniques embedded in plays and dramas. I think Canada followed it pretty well because the, the, the so-called um, Commonwealth countries are all ex-British Commonwealth. You see, they still call them Commonwealth countries or the friends of the Commonwealth because the elite took your wealth from the commoners. I think for the whole lot of you. So they could live in big castles and things. But Britain definitely exported its techniques to Australia and Canada. France did pretty well on its own. It, it didn't really need to help. You know, France is one of the first countries that really accepted um, a system based really on, on an advanced socialism that came out, out of, the, they call it Jacobinism, but it was really a form of communism. And they tried to toss out all the old systems and get rid of it entirely. That's always the same thing. When you see year zero starting, it's communism. It's the same movement, regardless of what they give you as the front people to lead it, you see. It's always the same movement. And, and of course, they, they give you new everything, including a new, new days of the week, or, and even a longer week. I think they tried 10 days at a time for, for a new week in France at one point. And also that that thing that really annoys them in France, they they, uh, they they wanted free love and all that without the consequences. So you had, you know, backstreet abortionists just opening up quite legally at that time to get rid of, uh, which often killed the women as well. And they also had a, a plague within 10 years of orphans on the streets that they had to get rid of as well. And they did too, they had ways of getting rid of them. So these things are nuisances. You always see the same thing cropping up over and over, the same darn things right up to the present day. But France did well, because if you ever watch the French movies, you haven't got a clue what's going on. I'm not talking about the language. I'm talking about the story. And, you know, and they go through these almost surrealistic settings. And you'll follow it thinking, eventually it's got to get to some relevant, pertinent point, you know. But they don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, and uh, you're left feeling ugh, yuck, very much like the British BBC ones, which at least gave you points. BBC, everything that they showed you about marriage was horrible, horrible. Every every marriage was made in hell, and the women were always nagging the men and yelling at them, and it was dysfunctional, and, until no one wanted to get married, you know. And the children were out of control, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it was all done deliberately. Of course, it was part of the psychological operations that they were doing on the public for the new system. But they would promote more and more women's liberation and, and sexual revolution for the women during this whole period, too. And, of course, that's why the National Health Service, we've got to be honest about this, that was one of the main reasons that the people who brought it in, and I think the one for Canada said the same thing years ago, it was to deal with uh, the population problem, unwanted children, etc. Unwanted was the new term. Because most children are wanted if an economic system is okay. But you can, part of the, the dissuasion of having children is to use economics against people wanting children. It's well understood and actually taught in the higher sociological classes. And economists have, have come out with this quite openly. I mean, what do you think Malthus was initially, you know? So everyone has to have a purpose for the, the elite, as opposed to being a purpose for your, each other, you know? So you have to serve them. And again, back to chronology, you're, you're, you've got to 
believe what they tell you. It's for the common good and the greater good and all the rest of it. You have to sacrifice all the time. Whereas going off to war, you see, and they'll paint whatever enemy is with, with the most horrible brushes. That you really did think that, that, that you know, Lucifer or Satan has, has best just appeared there in the shape of Osama bin Laden. Huh? And everybody else you've heard of since then. Huh? Telling you, it's, it's quite something what you're living through. And then you had Saddam Hussein, another, well, he, again, this, this evil just reincarnates immediately into somebody else, right? And um, all the way to Libya, of course, and Gaddafi, and then to Syria. It's one after the other, isn't it? And, it's, and who's benefiting in America from this? It's not the people who get stiff with the bills for all. You know that. Same with Britain, too. And you have these strange uh, intelligence agencies way above. Uh, they've got nothing to do with you, <laughs> apart from using you. Because, you see, they belong to something different, completely, from what you think of protecting you. But we must always accept, uh, again, our part in it, you know. And you go along with it. And, and most folks don't stop paying their taxes for all. Nope. Again, this herd mentality that's encouraged. It isn't encouraged. You, know? you don't want to protest that you, you don't, and, and stop paying your tax. I can remember back in the 90s, and again, after 9-11 and 2001, certain folk here and there stopped paying their taxes. They, they, were, they didn't want these wars. They knew it was coming. And they had enough of it. And why should you pay uh, taxes for things that, that really are, are, are you, it's going to have a, such a blowback effect on all of you and destroy your nation eventually? Look at all the nations across Europe. The face of Europe has changed with mass migration and under the guise of refugees. And they haven't stopped yet. They still want Iran. Iran's been losing its population for years now because would you wait in a country where you're told every week you're going to get bombed into the dust like Iraq? Huh? Of course you wouldn't. That's part, of, that's part of warfare. <laughs> Forced migration by terrorizing the public, you see. It's all taught in military academies. So you must participate, as I say, in your own deception. In your hardest part... And mentioning the deception, as I say, is to get through to folk around you who swallow it all, thinking it, it, it's too big to be all a lie. Huh? It's too big for all to be a lie. And yet, here, here you go. You are just, you know, one of the, the, the cattle. When you realize, and they're talking openly now of just not, once they pass the euthanasia laws, a next step and the next step and the next step to go until literally they want you to just kill yourself before you hit 65. Quite openly, some of them. Again, you're back to the meaning of life. Can we have your liver, you know? Oh, okay, then I guess I'm so small and tiny and insignificant on you. That's what's getting done to you. And, not, and again, using the same persuaders like the like Yale University, or I mentioned it before, the links I put up before, I'll make people again, where they're, they're again spending millions of your tax money for these professional, you know, people who, who lie as a, as a profession, using psychology and behaviorism and, and all the rest of it, to persuade you to accept vaccinations and things and to go along with the flow and do what you're told. 
and even to cause dissension and to get groups to turn on you if you don't wear a face mask or you don't believe in it or whatever. These folk should be, and again, I mentioned it before, a tyrant's hall of shame. And, and you, they, they, their faces should be exposed, and, and you add to them from the politicians that you waste your money to, on these swine, I call, let's call them swine, who professionally lie to the public by using uh, psychology and your, your human nature against you. Absolutely, I'm not quite. I'm quite serious, but you got to start naming them and 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 add their faces to it. Put, put them on it. I'm telling you, the tyrants and the folk are going to profit from it like billions and billions of dollars. And, and the Bill Gates and all the rest of them and the couches, they're all in on it. The ones who deny any other treatment except the ones that they've got shares in. <laughs> hey, come on here. And, and their whole idea that nothing's going to work except their vaccinations. Well, and they don't even tell you whether it works or not. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're, they're having herd immunity amongst the public. And they hate that. Oh, no. Well, it might not last long. Well, if it lasts a few years, it's, 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 it's as long as any vaccine's going to do. Huh? And apart from that, there's no side effects if you develop your own immunity. Your own, your own immune system, uh, um, antibodies, eh? But my God, it's free. There's no profit off that, is there? We live in, under such incredible corruption. We're a herd, and they're the farmers. They see us as animals, and they see us as their animals. Our job is to be fleeced eh? for them. I'm quite serious about it. That's how they talk about us. Them, you know, the, the little people. <laughs> That's all of you. And the arrogance through years and years and generations of academia and uh, 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 absurd learning, you know, absurd learning in absurd areas. Uh, the, the ivory tower really is, is just wispy. It blows in the wind up there. You know, there's nothing to hold it grounded to anything. Uh, it's so anti fantasia. They really believe in their superiority and their right. To rule us. So, again, it comes down to fear. But again, it's an evil system. You can't say it's just human nature. The the, the, the scariest part for for naive people who've swallowed their indoctrination is, is even accepting there's incredibly evil people in the world. They don't have horns, right? Except if, unless I put them, they've had them implanted. And they actually do that with some people now, eh? They implant these horns. Surgeons will do that. These, uh, well, but do no harm. Where did that go? But they, they'll actually, it's really some kind of cement, with some kind of cement, a horn uh, on your skull if they want, if you want it there, you know. I know someone who was in a hospital in New York uh, City, and she was a nurse, and she, she went on one day and. Uh, <laughs> That's a guy lying in the bed with a horn on his head. <laughs> and the nurses were told, don't laugh at him. You know, don't laugh at anybody. And uh, do you realize how hard it would be not to kind of laugh or equip, equip something to this guy? <laughs> I couldn't have shut my face. No way, you know. But uh, this is where they brought society to, eh? Because there's nothing, if you're doing something like that surgically, I don't care what you're doing, that, that, that there's definitely harm being done there in different levels of it. 
It's the same with, with, with using surgery to, to supposedly cure mental problems. You, you can't do that. They, they tried that with, with uh, lobotomies and lichotomies, you know. It's horrible what they've done in the past. But it doesn't stop them. To make money off of people who are obviously got problems, but they're not treating it the right way. Anyway, again, this is the world that we're being given to by those masters at the top. Because the more dysfunctional uh, it seems to be amongst you, the more scared they did. And, it, and it's easier to control them during this, this terror campaign we're going through. This is a campaign of terror, if you haven't fathomed it out, the whole COVID thing, coupled with the obvious total crashing of, of financial systems, and even food-wise, because no one's allowed to work normally. It's all planned this way. If you want to save a system, why would you, you bring in a, this system of total lockdown that's never been done before? And, and you've, you've literally locked down all the healthy folk. Never been done before. And then you'd, you'd get all these penalties if they get out of the house. And, and all the businesses, this company, are crunch, except the big corporations that are funding all the other internal, perhaps, terrorist groups. <laughs> it's not rather coincidental. Huh? It's not coincidental, eh? Uh, it bores me to even talk about it. It really does. But most folk never really figure it out, unfortunately. And the ones who take them in information, like the stuff I'm putting out, and then prattle it in the same week, often, you'll hear it often put out there after I do these talks, with all the links and everything else, I've done all the work, you see. You have no idea who they work for. Because I don't believe that there's anybody in politics today that's not there because they were put there. And they play their roles on, on their sides, you see. They play their roles. Years ago, I can remember when there were lots of um, alternate radio, mainly on, on uh, AM and shortwave radio worldwide. Huh? Harder to get it all censored by then, although you did get certain ones who would try to censor them by having their, 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 their ads withdrawn, these things like that. You, you, everything's political in this system, you see. And there's, there's no such thing as free speech. There never really was anything. The ones who have the biggest money and run ads and campaigns and, 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 and fund the politician, the, the ones they want in power, uh, they, they got the power. The ones who got the cash. And they get what they want. But you had, at least you had a lot of, of um, variety. And a whole and people from different areas who really studied in different areas. You had technocracy, all right, but you had interviews with, with people who'd lived through the Cold War, a big chunks of the Cold War, uh, even from World War II onwards, with lots of experience and wisdom, who are all gone now. And um, in the talks, they would, they would add little bits. Collectively, they'd add little bits, you see, of their experiences and their insights into what happened and how the system runs and works and, and all that kind of thing. And lots of them realized, too, that the politics really was a scam. Uh, it, it goes way, it's not new, uh, being a scam, a chronology, a, a system. I, I think um, Thomas Jefferson mentioned it, too. I've mentioned this part so often, where he did talk about, if you see the same agendas being continued between 
changes in the house, meaning the the, the parties. If you truly had different parties, you would see really drastically different agendas, but you don't. We haven't. We've seen the same agendas, even from Papa Bush to Junior Bush. Even before, even when Bill Clinton was in, he was lobbing cruise missiles over into Iraq and different places, destroying it for his whole time in office. And you, you had the Desert Storm idea, you know. And then you had uh, the Junior Bush, of course, 9-11, and the whole PNAC group. And then you had Obama went in afterwards. And Obama... Even Obama, the name, that's not what his name was. Hmm? It's not what he called himself up until then. And, and the main arch villain, this is a comic book, right? I'm not kidding you. I'm still waiting for someone to convince me that it's just a big coincidence that, that when the, the biggest enemy of the world at that time, supposedly the arch devil, the demon himself, the arch demon, was called Osama. Uh, they put in a president and they, they call him Obama in America. Do you really, are you really swallow all that? Do you realize that somebody's laughing at us all? Hmm? Do you realize that? Someone's having a big chuckle with all these things that are going on right now. <laughs> and they are. But most folk don't question it. Isn't that something? It wasn't Barry Sitoro, they call him himself, on Patolian or something. Anyway, but no one questions it. And they just present it. And going down to history books, folk in the future, if there's any folk left you know, that, that matter, <laughs> who read that kind of stuff, oh, they'll be laughing their heads off. Like, it's some big scam getting pulled, you know. But, uh, but anyway, Obama was then congratulated that the, the Democrat, you know, the communist, so-called Socialist Communist International Group, Obama, was congratulated by the supposed PNAC group using Donald Rumsfeld, you know, who, who congratulated Obama for continuing his wars, the same wars, and expanding them and, and, and even adding to them. Right? He, got, he, got, he got lots of applause from them for doing all that. Why would the so-called pretended okay, neocon group huh, that Rumsfeld and Bush were, were part of congratulate their supposed archenemy of, of demo, uh, democracy, democrats, or whatever you want to call them, they're really communists. You know. But international socialism, as I've mentioned before, is a system the elite want for the present time to suit their efficiency. That's what it's for. Technocracy, you see. It's a call it communism and technocracy, whatever. It's all the same thing. It's for the greater good, you know. And the World Economic Forums, they crash the world's economy. And for you, that is not for themselves. They're getting richer at the top. But they're crashing the whole world's economy for all the, the little people out there. They're bringing in their new system of efficiency. And you'll have to all be in it together, and you'll have to do what you're told in order to collectively survive. That's just the way it's done, eh? Any other person in history who did that. It was a tyrant, but today it's, it's scientifically necessary, don't you understand? Huh? <laughs> and the public, as usual, uh, unfortunately, through terror and fear, because you always use terror and fear in the reign of terror to get the public to comply, to save themselves. Huh? To save themselves. It's awfully important. And remember, two folks, that you can help me take along here, as so I say, if you just donate to me, 
and help me uh, stay um, well, alive <laughs> and to keep my, all my sites going, etc. Go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and remember, always, always, make sure you've done because folk postpone things, eh? And until certain things happen and then you can't get them again. And make a note to my, my official sites. If anything goes down in one of them, hopefully you can get me on some, one of the other ones on listed on cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Remember, you can buy the books and discs I've got there. They're different. There's no point just churning out another big thick tome of history for you to, to waste your time on. I cut to the chase to show you the cons right down to the language. Uh, that are used upon you to get to think for yourself. That's that's the only uh, weapon you've got is your to think for yourself. It really is. It's the hardest thing for most folks to think for themselves. And the reason I say that is because you see, this is your fight individually. This is your fight. I always knew we'd all get down, get down to the chase when we have to make a decision personally. That's what it's about, folks. The last thing you want to hear, isn't it? Oh my goodness, I have to make a decision personally. And you do. It would always come down to this. Always. It was inevitable. And so it's your decisions that matter to you, for you, and for your for your soul. Hmm? That's what it's about. So as I say, going to cutting com. Remember, other people take my what I put up there and they'll put it into other formats for other social means to get to get it out there. But sometimes they're delayed for some one reason or another, you know, when there's a lot of work involved. So remember, you can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and I always try to get it up on the Sunday night. Uh, and and my provider on the internet knows that too. This, I get slows to a crawl on uploading, believe you me. That's just the way these things really happen. It's not paranoia. It's a fact. I've got stacks of records and all, and daily records on this kind of stuff happening. And that's what definitely happens if you are a little problem. It's no big problem. Or they'll eliminate you, you know. If you've been a big problem, you know, I have been in the past. And I've, I've had my close, very close calls, believe you me. But... Um, as I say, hopefully, if you if you can keep uh, watching my stuff and reading it and so on, and listening, then you can, uh, at, very, at the very least, have an idea of what's going on. I don't tell you to, who to vote for. Well, I really don't think Americans were given any, anybody else to vote for at all in the last election. Uh, and I don't think there are this time either. I really don't. And I really think that, the, I don't think they'll ever get a president in America whose real first and foremost uh, agenda is to look after America. But we don't. And that's what you'd really need to pull yourself out of the mire. But even if that happened, uh, all hell would break loose from the establishment. There is an establishment that runs the country. Of course there is. And it's the same establishment that ran London, and still does to an extent, uh, a big extent, today. It runs the, the world's economic system. And it's very true, if the U.S. was to fall down to an extent, a good part of the world will go with it, because the U.S. is keeping a lot of it propped up through its own finances by throwing your cash across the planet. And it's what you have to pay for all, mind you, but you're still, you are. You're buying countries off left, right, and center. You always have done. 
And that's how the game is played today. And if it's not that way, then you, you simply go in and invade them. But it's not for yourselves. It's for, it's for the, those who rule you, over you. And they have their proxies there. A lot of the proxies are the CEOs at the moment of corporations. You don't get to be a CEO of a top corporation just because you know something the rest of them don't. You know? Or you know which, which knives and forks to use at a big you know, 15 course meal. It's for other reasons. You're pre-selected for all these things, just like you're pre-selected for top politics. And you're given a kind of aura. They've had books about this aura thing. For the, you know, Let's create a CEO who walks on water. He's just perfect. He's just magic. And he comes out with these really new ideas. You know, and they'll, they'll toss half the, the company down the drain to get, bring out these new ideas. And all that's nonsense together. But, but, um, but they're, they're pre-selected, these characters, by the richest folk on the planet. You know, there's holding companies out there. Holding companies that own a good chunk of the, the world's um, transportation supply of all goods that travel by road and rail. They own them. It was quite fascinating when a few years ago a train was out Montreal way, I think it was, and it was to prepare for the night and whatever happened. But the thing rolled down, it was left unguarded. And um, it rolled down the tracks, and, and it blew up. It had mustard tankers in it, uh, a town. And uh, whereas looking, he said, well, who owned this company? And, so, and I got the name, eventually got the, the guy's name who owned it. Now, he specialized in buying up railway lines across the world, and, and across Russia and Europe and Latin America and everywhere. Uh, when countries that tried socialism, this is an old ploy, by the way, um, socialism, and they get in so much debt and disrepair uh, that uh, they'd sell them off for peanuts. But uh, with a lot of help, I'm sure, with it, maybe this guy's associates, <laughs> they go into these these countries to help the deals and so on. But uh, when you realize how much power this guy has, as they are closed shop, by the way, for investments of, of just certain peoples for pensions, and just not, but not everybody could get into it. Uh, be, be, be multi-billion, billion, billion-dollar industry, eh? a holding company for all these things. He probably never had ever visited one of them they'd bought over, because when they buy these things over, they expect to, they have managers in place. Uh, they do all the work. They don't want anything to do with the work. It's, just like, it's like when they used to own f- stacks of factories. They didn't want to visit the factories. They just wanted to know that the money was coming in and the profits were getting made. And they'd, they'd put a foreman or a manager in charge of it. Well, it's the same kind of thing. This guy would have his people all over the place. But when you think that all your goods and services, all the stuff that you need to survive, food, energy, propane, gas, um, gasoline, oil, all these things are getting delivered. And here's this quiet company. They'd probably never heard of it if it hadn't been for that one accident. Huh? And it wasn't so much an accident, it was negligence again. Not, not in the driver's part, anyway. Because they cut everything to the bone, these characters, for massive profits. But these, these guys have more power than any tyrant in history. If they want to just shut everything off and nothing's going to move, they can do it. Do you realize that? You never hear these guys. Holding companies are, are massive operations. 
And I want, you had all the laws in the States, for instance, about racketeering and 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 again, they came into place to do, to do with Rockefeller, this strange guy, this family, Rockefeller family, that uh, where the old man Rockefeller said that competition was a sin, and he made he went out there to to try and take over all energy resources completely, completely. He really meant it. It wasn't just a greed thing or a personal. No, his guy was part of an international operation. And they worked totally with the city of London, totally. Because whatever the city of London was pushing across the world and taking over the world's resources, so was so was Rockefeller in the States. And he set up. He was put, he was he became head of the Council on Foreign Relations, and that was a, that was a, their branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs or the Milner Group. That's what that was. And they really mean it. They take over what you need to to survive. They own it all. And they don't, they don't believe in democracy. They'll use the, the idea for a long time of democracy um, as, as an opposition to communism when it suited them, you see? Now they don't need that anymore, and they want to use the communistic system of total obedience because you all obey. And they rather like China, the, the modern version in China, where it's a model state for the world. The BBC documentaries that we churned out over for years talked about that. Oh, this is a wonderful system. This is a model state for the world. Every member of the Council on Foreign Relations parrots the same stuff in foreign affairs, etc. So now is the time to use that, you see. It's efficient. People disobey. You don't have to bother trying to persuade the public. You just tell them and they better do it or else. And that's it. Ugh. But the folk again, in their own little lifetime, and it's a short lifetime, really. But in your own little lifetime, most folk just say, "Oh well, we just this just happened and that just happened." They have no idea how things happen. I, th- I guess life to them really, at the end, is a mystery. They look back and say, "Oh, that's a mystery," you know, what a mystery that was. Hmm. When you when you see all the things that could have been done and should have been done, but weren't, you just left with this big, "Well, why didn't? Why wasn't it done?" Well, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. I used to mention it too. It was like the, the movie, I think it was called, um, was it Prophecy? It was the free version one with Christopher Walken. And I think it was in the last one. Yes, they're, they're, they're trying to reconstruct the, a physical Lucifer. And eventually you saw this thing rising up out the ground or from the ground resurrected Lucifer, standing on a pyramid, basically, of bodies. And I thought at the time, that that represents thousands of generations of people who who were born, lived, and died, and suffered, and got used and abused, and all the rest of it. And, 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 And never, ever, not one generation knew what was really going on. And I thought, that's how we're really run, you know. We're not supposed to know what's really going on. I, I don't think folk realize how every nation in the world, it wasn't just uh, Africa, has been through a, a lot of hell. Because in, this, in the old days in, in Europe, and you, you go to rest not long ago when you think about the feudal system, and, and right up into about the 1700s, you're, you're still living in a feudal system. 
they might have given you early in the politics, you like this or that. That was for the nobility and the elites and, and the businessmen. Majority of the public were serfs. They were bought and sold with the land. They were still bought and sold with the land, of course they were. And they still doffed the cap, as they say, and called folk, you know, they, they look, oh, he's a master, you know, he's a master, the local lord or laird or whatever, oh, he's a master. And I often thought, what a demeaning thing to have to call someone as a master, you see. Really, a human being. Because all, it really is a, is a class system right off the bat, isn't it? If you use the term, you're obviously down yonder at the, at the bottom dregs. And you're elevating someone above you just because of their status or their birthright or whatever. But that doesn't ever change. And believe you me, it doesn't go away. And it's so well camouflaged today that most folk can't recognize it, even though it should be more obvious than ever. Huh? Chronology. You must, you must participate in your own deception. You must participate in giving power to others. I've mentioned this so many times before. For, for years and years and years, you give your power away to others by voting. It's illegality. And in some countries, it's mandatory. Why do you think it's mandatory? It's because for you to be ruled, it's necessary for you to accept the fact you're going to be ruled. And the only right you have in democracy, and this is a fact, look, check it up for yourselves. Look it up and see what it means about democracy and voting when it comes to recalls for anything, on any level, even from local councils. They've had cases in Canada that went all the way up to Supreme Court. But people who ran for different offices didn't fulfill their, their promises. And they were told that the only right a voter has is to vote. Not for what happens from the vote. That's what democracy means. That's what they literally said that defines democracy. So any liar, and that's why most of them are liars are going to politics, are politicians, they're psychopathic. They don't mind lying. It's a way of life with them. And, and for those who really rule the world, it's a natural thing to do, uh, is to don't tell the children any truth. Uh, they see you as children, naive children, because they've kept you in the dark since you were born. And just like mushrooms, you know. But yeah, people haven't got a clue of the system in which they... they, they and again, most of, once you're out of school... Most of your indoctrination is continued through fiction. Folk prefer fiction because life's pretty nasty and rotten and boring or whatever, or even scary. And so you escape from it all by fiction. And you live vicariously, either through sports. A lot of guys watch sports because in reality they have no ability or outlet to get rid of all their frustrations. So they watch guys, like a, a team is just a war, war on a battle, or a, or a battlefield is the, is the field, the playing field. And it's a pitch, as we call it, pitch battle, you see. And so they, they, they live out through these characters in front of them. It's a vicarious way of, of living. In their own lives, they're given very little power today. It's been taken away from them, they've given up too, until they're afraid to even assert their own selves over anything at all. And all deliberate too, a complete war on the male as well, naturally, and um, to get them into this position. Everything is a battle strategy. 
I hope you understand you're, you've been living through battle strategies that don't end. And, and they, they simply run into the next phase and the next phase and the next phase of whatever part of it is. And many things are, are going on at the same time in this particular battle. Eh? How do you get rid of the main problems? Who are your main problems? Well, they name them. Okay, how do you get rid of this one? these ones? You know, Take away their power from them. Make them feel insulated. Make, even tell them that the whole world's problems is theirs. That's what I've done with a lot of the males. <laughs> It's, it's ran through their, their, in school, it was ran in their heads, and and so on. And so they start, they're taught, they're taught to even feel guilty about it for things that happen thousands of years. Nothing to do with them, nothing at all to do with them. But that's not the intention. The intention is to make them feel weak and helpless and useless and guilty. And at the same time, with young girls from a very early age, they're telling them to be assertive, etc., etc., etc. All battle strategies. It's all done deliberately. And again, people live through it, never, never catching on to it. Because strategies work, work awfully well if you, if you get the children young enough. And that way you, you disable your opponents. The ones who down the road could be your main opponents. Well, they're not, they're not there anymore. They're not there. You've eliminated them. A war on society, a war on, on every individual, a war on genders, a war on everything that could have worked and did work at times. Nothing works perfectly, but the fact is complete war across the board to disable everybody in society, to get society itself collectively disabled. That's warfare. This is all warfare. Awfully effective. I'm not just making this stuff up. I've looked at the techniques for long-term and long-range warfare, and they have some. Which we can scare you with some nations that are at war at the moment, <laughs> and um, how they've looked at that their opponents, right down to the children, are getting born to eliminate them, so they target women in those countries because they breed the boys that are going to be the problem down the road. When you fight certain nations and so on, it's just astonishing what you get, what you read, and it, 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 it's horribly effective. I mean, horribly. When you see it's actually been done for years and it's still ongoing, and this is taught, this taught as battle strategy. So when you look at your own nations, and you see this long-term goal to eliminate opponents. And then put in others that'll be, that are, it's been well known through the incredible studies that have been done on genders. Women are more apt to go along and try something new and changing society if it's given to them by superior authority. You see? And they're, so if you put experts behind folks, they're more apt to follow that. And go along with it. And that's why you see so many today uh, being placed, by the way, in charge of different functions and nations, especially during, the, uh, during a, a phase of massive change. That's not coincidental, by the way. You know? And most of them are openly what they, they think is, they'll, they'll say they're socialist, but they'll, they'll go with the wind. And they do like to feather their own nest as well as they go along. 
So it's not for ideological purposes. Everything's a sham, really, isn't it? Everything's a complete sham. But the last folk you must figure this out are the public themselves, because the war is always on the public, and it's subdividing in different sec- sections and, sis- and groups of, of the general public, and ages too, of course. So again, you got to stop participating in deception, your own deception. But yeah, I can remember when Pierre Trudeau, re- reading about him years later, for instance, I mean, but... Um, it got me onto the, the, the tract of, of looking at real communism. And I wasn't in Canada at the time, but, but uh, to look at real communism to see how it worked. And Pierre Trudeau was a, a leader of the Young Communist Party for Canada. And he led the, the group from Canada for the Comintern, Communist International, over in 1952 to Moscow. Others, too, that I could name today, not just in Canada, who, who are names today, others... Um, had big parts in that too. But there was a woman, in fact, who was part of the communist, Young Communist International group. Recently I mentioned her name too. It's prominent in the newspapers. But anyway, the uh, Pierre Trudeau uh, did follow it to the letter. The idea was they, couldn't, they knew they couldn't overthrow the Western. It was the, the people in... Remember, you are the nation, not the leaders, huh? And that's why you're, that most of the work is targeting you to get you a change. You're a whole bunch of things, you see, in your, your ways of thinking. So, so you are the ones that want to change. Most folk, they, they knew from, from repeated attempts and, and, and testing, the perimeters, you might say, that's how they do it, how they phrase it, that the people in the West wouldn't have revolutions, that they just wouldn't be overthrown or collectively get the working classes to go and fight and overthrow whatever to take over. So they used the Fabian technique, you see, which, uh, again, was born in Britain and funded by one of the richest guys on the planet at the time. As that's always the way it is, because it's, it's always deception. It's the same group at the top that will use different strategies for efficiency for themselves at that time. And Pierre Trudeau did run on the liberal ticket, you know, to get in. And afterwards, some of them boasted, and he himself did quip it a couple of times, actually, that they did it, they, they got in by deception, by pretending they were just liberals, you see. And that's, what, again, what Khrushchev said himself. And Khrushchev, when he came over to visit in the States, see, that's what he said. He said, we don't call them communists in America, we call them liberals, you see. But they, they, that was that was the party that they, they hid under at the time. Nothing has changed there. And uh, but it's it's, it's, just, it's very deceptive to the public who watch it because they, they see a lot of these liberals too who, are, who end up being multimillionaires in politics. Strange that that how can end up as multimillionaires. But the fact is there are no real sides here. They'll play their game for those in charge at the very very top. But again, the the, the idea was that they could get in by deceiving the public. And once they're in, start pushing all the communistic doctrines under the guise of socialism, you see? And equality, it's always under the guise of equality. And one of the first things to do is try to destroy the nation state by mass migration, you see? Even when you don't need mass migration, 
because a lot of them you have to you house. It's, it's cost a fortune to house people, to retrain them and, and even educate them and, uh, and before they can even learn to speak the languages a lot of the time, a lot of money, etc. It's not, it's not to help people, it's to help disrupt the, the, the nation itself and in order to, to bring, create a whole new system, naturally, and the withering away of borders. But isn't it odd... Isn't it awfully odd that, that Karl Marx said that eventually you'll see the withering away of the nation-state, but before that, they'd create free trade zones, a European free collective zone, with a parliament for the whole of Europe, hmm? and one for the Americas eventually, you see, and one for the, the Far East, the Pacific, Asian Pacific region. So he wanted to three free trade zones with three parliaments, and that's the same thing, of course, that the Lord Alfred Milner wanted for the British Empire. Huh? It's coincidence, of course, isn't it? Huh? A coincidence. And they all wanted uh, this idea of uh, eventually the state running everything. So centralization is part of it. What do you think creating a European Parliament was about? Was centralizing all power? You're running through the same agenda, hundreds of years old, eh? And most folk haven't clued into that very fact. And then since 9-11, yeah, with uh, free trade and 9-11 happening at the same time, and all these global meetings on free trade, the same agenda that Milner was pushing back in the 1800s, and even before that, when, they were, when Britain set up the India East India Company and the Dutch East India Company, the idea was always this, the same agenda. And then you'd, you'd set up uh, the same parliamentary system in each country that you would take over, which they did very successfully. In India did the same thing. It was based on the British system and completely compromised, just like uh, the one in Britain is, because it's not there that you serve the people. <laughs> so it leads to an old agenda. And so that here's the top capitalists working for the same agenda as the top communists and uh, using communism and capitalism to get what they, where they want to, to go. You know? they're, they're all terms, remember, words, eh? It's terms. Words can get you lost if you can't see what you're really looking at because you get confused. Well, it can't be that because they've got a different name for it. No, you can use as many names as you want to camouflage something. It's what you actually see it as being that matters. Hmm? There's really something. But folks, as I say, have no idea what they're really living through. And what you're living through is, is an eternal battle, really. Very old battle. And between good and evil. And yes, you can always bring it down to an earthly system. Okay, it's basically secularize it and, and use secular humanism to say it's bad people who are power-hungry and, and crave power. They're psychopathic and they don't have, they're not there for the common good. Where is, where is the, the, the humanists? You know, as, remember, humanism is a religion. <laughs> who know better? They, they, they know better how to rule the world and to give you bioethics. Awfully important field, that bioethics. They can tell you what's moral and what's not moral, you see, using the, the sheer genius of their brain power. Because somehow they're untouchable. They're, they, the common things that might, might make you get tempted, no, it doesn't bother them at all. They've got it all, you see. 
we live in amazing times. Watching all this stuff is, is kind of comical. But the folk never catch on. But you, as I say, you're going through evil times. You can feel it. It's tangible. There's never been such a time of mass lying across the board to the general public, all aimed at the public, with the admission they're using universities and behavioural insights teams and the SAGE groups and the other groups working to, on contract to the SAGE to brainwash the public to go along with everything that's been mandated. Huh? It isn't just to do with vaccinations. It's a whole new way of living, the global reset. Huh? This is, this is the great transition. In the last century, they called it the coming century of change or transition, the great transition. Here it is, where the elite will have you all running like clockwork, they think, at the end of the chaos. They create the chaos first, then uh, to fix it all. They'll bring down the population, and, and they'll run everything to suit themselves bit by bit by bit. And everyone's monitored from cradle to grave. You can't get away from them. And they won't allow you. Most folk allow it to happen. All these rules to get passed and laws to get passed. And they comply with it, which doesn't help the next generation, you see. Planned a long time ago. Planned before I was born. Planned before you were born. And even my granddad, in fact, was born. How to use the general public in, in every nation. How to create divisions in society and use them against each other for your own use. How to get segments of society. Let's take a, let's take a, the, the, the real idealistic viewpoint of, of history here. Let's look at a real fictional version of a hamlet in, in somewhere in England in, say, the, the, the 1600s. In a, a little, very short, peaceful time, right? And here they all they are, and there isn't a lot of smoky hamlet, because you could smoke back then and for to eat themselves and to cook uh, without getting fined and all that. Again, but this is the idealized version. And here they're happy, and, and they've got their culture, and they know where they came from, and, and they're quite content and all that. Eh? How you destroy that? If you just come up as, as an outsider, they're going to turn on you. Collectively, it's a natural thing you do, and you won't get what you want. No, you must create divisions. In this peaceful little hamlet, you see. And then you go and say, you know, to, to one of the farmers, yeah, how many pigs have you got there? I've got four or five. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And uh, then you go to someone down the road there who's really struggling, and he's had a fire recently, and his place burned down, he's rebuilding it, and, and he's, 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 he can't do all the work at the same time, and he can't afford to hire anybody. How many pigs have you got? I've only got two, or I lost some in the fire. Why is that guy up there? Oh, you got more than you, blah. Then you stir, you stir the pot, you stir it, get it going. Or you see folk, you know, who are who are intensive units, intensive units of solidarity, like a real family. But never heard of women's lib. Eh? Never heard of it. Hadn't been invented yet. And any communist doctrine hadn't heard of that either. You know. And you'd get in there and say, you know, why are you carrying those buckets, that, you know, those heavy buckets? Why isn't your husband? Well, your husband, you see, was down in the, in, in the field there, up to, up to his knees in mud, cleaning, or he's in the cleaner. But that didn't matter. The, the, the point is to exaggerate differences. Exaggerate them. Stir it up. Then you get a fact, then, then get a collective, a bunch of them women together, 
And then you start making demands. We aren't going to do this unless, unless, before you know it, the whole thing's in a mess. And in comes the overlord to rectify. You need a government. We're here to help you. This is how it was done over and over and over again. Do you realize how many agencies have just appeared out of nowhere? You, you think they're coming out of nowhere to deal with the chaos in society on all social levels? Often from the very heads that are causing the problems and they profit off the, 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 the chaos they cause. Eh, amazing, eh? From law. Oh, you need lots of new laws now and new lawyers, eh? Uh, the devil's advocate. We're not. How do you think we're taking over this world? He said. Huh? And the devil's advocate, just by pure forces, armies. He says armies of lawyers. We turn out thousands every year. Lawyers. Then end up in politics too. Eh? Same characters. And before you know it, you can't just do this or that without getting a contract drafted up and and paying legal fees for every darn thing that you do. Or destroy the family unit. What do you? There are countless agencies privately owned that deal not just with marriage counselling, which is generally how to break up quietly, <laughs> but what to do with the children. So let's have all kinds of agencies to deal with the children, right? And foster homes and this, and that, and the other, and psychologists get involved, and psychiatrists, and every bit of chaos you cause. Of disruption as you destroy society and the fabric that holds it together and the psyche that holds it, they profit off it. Amazing, isn't it? Interesting. It's also interesting. It's interesting that you, you, that you enter an area that most folk don't want to look at. It scares them. You see, in an age where you haven't seen mass slaughter, like open slaughter, pits being dug and people being buried after being shot and killed or whatever by all kinds of methods. They're wide open for it to happen in different ways. Disease, hmm? It doesn't look so bad. Well, it's disease, you know. Hmm? In an age where one of the top fields that you have for war is bio-warfare, it is always said to be the weapon of choice for the future. Biowarfare. And the beauty of it is you can't really, you, you can suspect all you want, you can add little bits all you want, but you, you always need an admission, hmm? like some crime drama, and you're not going to get it. It was the same with weather warfare. Lots of data from the military declassified on weather warfare. It's not a, a la-la-land thing, it's not some conspiracy thing. They admit it from the Department of Defense declassified articles that have done it. They did lots of it in Vietnam to create massive flooding, for instance, in the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Weather warfare. Mud. And weather warfare, they said, too. The advantages of it, again, it's, it's silent weapons for quiet wars, isn't it? Is you, you can know all your, is it, you know, we're getting these strange signals and the weather's changing or, you know, things like that. The harp technologies, all countries have it now, you know. 
They had it back in the 70s in Russia, Riga, you know, where they could blot out a lot of the airwaves in the West. Montreal was the first one to pick it up. I think. And um, it was a woodpecker effect, they called it. This, And it was a high-intensity, powerful signal again put up into the ionosphere. And that's how the harp technology works. Bounces off it, can intensify it too. You can actually aim it to bounce off and reflect down elsewhere on your target and block out all transmissions and on the AM frequencies, etc. Old technologies. Now you can superheat the atmosphere, they found out with the Alaskan one, testing that superheated standing waves. And you had these big explosions in the sky, clear skies, just boom! <laughs> just superheating different parts of the atmosphere. And then lightning strikes and collect clear skies too in BC, it was interesting. That. And you can aim that too across, using the ionosphere as like a mirror to reflect it. Old stuff, declassified stuff now. But again, even though you know it's been used, you can pretty well suspect it. You, 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 again, it comes down to, the, well, we know all it, but we just need that last bit of admission. Well, you're not going to get admission. That's the whole point of silent weapons. Eh? Or introducing uh, the bugs that eat crops. Old, again, massive, masses and masses of information declassified on chemical and bacterial warfare. And, uh, and then agriculture is part of it. How do you disable an enemy? Destroy the, their sustenance, the, their meat industry, milk industry, cheese industry, butter industry, by attacking the animals, attack the crops, all kinds of rusts they call it, and things like that. Uh, you can go on and on with the horrors of, of what humans will do on behalf of the masters that run the planet, but should tell you what the masters are like. Masters are very cold. I remember, too, Malachi Martin, who was um, an enigma to some people, but he certainly sold the Catholic Church out. That is true. It's been, it's come out since, you know. He helped with the Vatican, too, to destroy some of the principles that kept them together intact for a long time. And so he was like a double agent. Uh, he was also on an awfully good um, documentary years ago with William Buckley Jr. Interestingly, William Buckley Jr. was in CIA. Malachi Martin on the Art Bell Show uh, years later talked about the fact that the, a lot of the Jesuits and so on in the Catholic Church during the Cold War worked, worked with the CIA because <laughs> they were all over the world and they'd get into countries and, and come back with information. Eh? But Mark and Martin did say that uh, on one of his interviews. You'll never know where his head really was at with Mark and Martin, unfortunately. But he did uh, bring, a, a, isn't that odd, a guy who, who worked and, and sold out the church at one point, really like big-time traitor, <laughs> a real double agent indeed, for, for pay too, he was paid to do it brought back in a humanistic world, in a, a world where humanism was, was demanding that folk give up superstition, as the, as the communists called it too, silly superstitions. 
and try to get rid of it all. And, and it's all taught through all colleges and universities. They all science will replace all these things eventually. And we live in a very, again, a humanistic society where experts and human brains will be really useful. God help us then, eh? Especially if you would wonder if they're really so human, eh? But Malachi Martin did bring them into the church where it was intentionally or inadvertently uh, the spark of something that was sorely lacking. As, you, as folk become more and more worldly and secular, including the church, naturally. Because the church itself, all churches are, are, are basically staffed with people who come out of the general population. They've been through the same changes, the same indoctrinations into the secular world, where science is supposed to supplant uh, all, all problems and solve them all and become the, the guiding light, you see. That's a lot of power to give to mere mortals, the scientists. But Malachi Martin, as I say, inadvertently or whatever, did bring back a spark of something which was sorely lacking for a long time. And again, it's a, it's a very powerful thing. The, the, the elite actually fear. It's always intrigued me that. But he brought back the, the idea of the supernatural. And the, pre, the preternatural. The preternatural is, is are powers that are above ordinary powers, which evil has. In in the Catholic viewpoint, or the Christian viewpoint, or even the ancient world viewpoint, because a lot of it came from the ancient world. Remember, even pre-Judaic, a lot of it. And he brought out hostage to the devil, excellently written book describing uh, people, you can take it from two ways. Either they've got severe mental problems or they've got this, they've got this other forces at work here, entities, something in, in a secular society folk don't want to contemplate. It's astonishing how they'll accept through dramas and movies, fictional movies, mass slaughters. It's horrible, something incredibly horrible. But when it comes to what's behind these mass horrors, is it just human nature? Are we so defective a species? Or is there something else at play? So Malachi Martin brought back this idea of the supernatural. Supernatural is something that comes from the creator, you see. Supernatural is supposed to be preternatural. Anything created by the creator therefore has like rebellious demons or angels. Are, have have these abilities, but they're not so much super that they're definitely above what any humans can do, but they're they're preternatural. Well, that was the difference. And he brought back into the church the idea, something that they were forgetting. And you're living in a world of forces. We can accept the fact that there are forces at work when it comes to oh, well, secular forces, or it's, you don't know who the people are generally or whatever, but you know they're. Yeah. But the fact is, no, they, what is in them? And one of his talks, he did touch on someone he'd worked with for a long time, for quite a few years, in fact, till one day he saw him in a particular angle in a library they were working, and he realized he, he was looking at something with a, with a, with a, um, who was perfectly possessed. Something, a very interesting concept, doesn't matter what you think of it or believe in it, but just, just take it from, from what he said. He said that he, he confronted the guy about it. 
And the guy realized, he, before he said anything, uh, that um, Martin had noticed it. Because these things, remember, have, have abilities, have these psychic abilities. And uh, there was no big argument or, or, or a row erupted over it or anything, but uh, it was acknowledged that the guy, yeah, he'd had it for years and years and years. And he was perfectly content with this thing abiding within him. And you see, this kind of thing rings a bell. It, it could be like, like Jung said, who knows? You know, everybody's got their points of view. But there's such a thing as archaic symbology, archetype, archetypal symbology. Something that rings true in all of us when we see certain things or experience certain things that, that shouldn't. When you get a chill running up your spine when a certain thing is mentioned or a certain place is reached and you know something's happened or you didn't know beforehand, but you might you do know now. These kind of, you've all had these odd, odd happenings. And, and suddenly... As I say, inadvertently, perhaps, who knows? It brought back into the church something they'd forgotten about. And he did say something true, regardless of the fact that he'd sold out. <laughs> he said, he said, the church, like again, like all institutions, right, become corrupt. They all do. Become lazy. It's not new, it's been done before. All, in all churches, in all religions, right? where you get a class that devolves out of it, living on the rest, that becomes fat and lazy, and, and they expect it to be the normal, that, that this is the way, you see. They forget what they're there for. Francis of Assisi had the same problem. He came back after years been away, after setting up a lot of the monasteries, uh, and, um, and to see his own monks basically fat, and they're getting big endowments from generally widowed women, and leaving all the money to them, and they were fat and lazy, and he, he was he was disg- he walked off again. He was so disgusted. What happened to them? So there's nothing new in it. It, it happens through all institutions. Even even if you could get well, they, they do it with communism, eh? It's supposed that they clean out the system, then they put their own people in who are fanatics. Within that generation, they're all corrupt, just like the previous ones. Doesn't matter who what you want to call them. That's what happens. So anyway. Um, this is important, a important thing, and very important thing you touch on, because getting back to chronology, where you must participate in your own deception, because huh? you think you're going to get something out of it, then what's happening in your lives and to the world in general is the biggest deception we've ever lived through right now. You've been living through, I've watched my own lifetime, a, a good part of it being pushed way faster. Because that's how it works. As they knock down more and more pillars that hold up the roof of stability, you see, it weakens all the other pillars. And the, the fewer pillars there are, the faster they can move then, you see. And that's what they've been doing since well, the last 50 years or so. And you really see it happening, and you see the fruits of it, and the fruits, again, it's almost like demonology, where uh, things will wither very quickly, including the fruit itself. But what's awfully important is the one thing that the churches had forgotten, especially Protestant churches, because Protestant churches were completely hand in, hand, in hand with, with science, 
primarily logic again and man and so they were easily converted right off the bat you see into the idea of oh no it's just they can pray and all the rest but no I don't believe in it too deeply huh? and there's no central command in Protestantism hundreds of sects hundreds and hundreds of there's still new sects dividing yet from from previous divisions and that's another thing when there's no central command you see but they, they gave up, they, they, they embraced the science so quickly. And that's why they were the first ones to fall away from churches. And of course, then you have Freemasonry through it to a humanistic religion to an extent. Higher orders is a bit different. It's, it's more, more than just the humanistic part. But this is the important thing of all. Communism, which is a front, it's a front, communism. For those who want to take to rule the world, of course it is. Just like today, the World Economic Forum is a front for the same group that wants to rule the whole world. Just like the whole idea for COVID and complete lockdown restructuring of society, destroying all economies and rebuilding, is a front. It's all the same system running it all. But from the days of communism, you, you had the communists themselves laying out what they had to destroy. But the top was religion. Because people, they won't stand and fight for basically a secular idea. You can't get them all to fight, you see. But you can get more of them, and almost all of them, to fight for religion or a belief. Especially a God-given belief. Huh? With God-given rights. Well, Who's going to oppose God-given rights? Well, look who's doing it today. The World Health Organization, from the start, they got to end this, this exemption for religious purposes. Huh? They've been at that for years and years. Really? It's an awful nuisance, this God-given thing. You've got rights by your creator. Huh? You're born with them. And these characters are there to persuade you to give them all up to them. <laughs> Matsutong, great Matsutong in China, eh? said the same thing. He wasn't scared. He wasn't scared at all. He says, power, all power comes from the barrel of a gun, he says. But he, he said he, what did frighten him the most was a big idea. He, what he was referring to was religion. When the communists took over the Soviet system, these went to slaughter they got the most worst beasts imaginable in human form to do the slaughtering. That continued throughout this whole Soviet Union's period, by the way, and all the Soviet bloc countries. Horrible things were done. And that they wipe out religion especially. They went to town to try to eradicate it. You saw it in the Spanish Revolution too, the so-called Civil War. There's really communists behind that too. And what they did to the nuns. <laughs> or Trotsky's train, you know, when he was head of the Red Army in the reign of terror in Russia. And he had, he had, he had Ashley priests dangling on ropes at the back of the train eh, as they went past all the different villages and stuff. Never changes. Never changes. And yet, those once, once they're in power, they can kill millions under different guises. Eh? Even for necessity. Well, we can't feed you all. Now. 
<laughs> then I'll encourage you, to, and, and they'll, they'll, again, they'll get appeal from academia to come out and explain to you why it's necessary that you, you, you just starve to death, or you don't live too long, because there's not enough medications to go around, you know. You only cost the state money, just like you do in Canada now and other countries, step by step by step. But at one time, folk would be horrified. I'm not talking about real, deeply, fundamentally religious people. It was a natural thing that people felt. Yet God given the rights, and life was precious. Not the Julian Huxley type, where we'd have to knock man off his pedestal and train him and teach him that he's just another animal in order to change and rule over him. <laughs> that's what that's what he said. Eh? But what they're afraid of is is the other one, the other thing. Because who, uh, what scientists can actually take on God, eh? And it doesn't matter what he prattles off about his degrees and this and the other. It makes no difference. Hmm? It's like the U.S. Constitution, yeah, it was put together by Freemasons. And, again, not all of them were absolutely exactly like peas in a pod. But they were sworn allegiance to the same kind of things. And, and they said, you know, that, that this was a chance for folk to rule themselves. Like an experiment. It was called the, the, the Great Experiment at the time. The Soviet system was called the Second Great Experiment. If, so the first one was American, even though it, it wasn't given much of a chance, to be honest with you, because the corruption was there from the beginning, from the big, big, big landowners. Well, and Washington came out of it owning, what, another, was it 200 miles of land, I think it was, that he did at the start. So it was very profitable, too, when you get away from the foundation myths of countries. But... It is interesting to note that um, they talked about self-evident, that which is that's which was self-evident. The people had rights, and it was self-evident. What they only really meant was it's given by God. They hate to use the term. Being masons, most of them, you know, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, but it was self-evident. Well, that that which is self-evident that the rights you have are getting have been decimated since then by those that, that rule. And it's a joke, a, a sick joke, to try to pretend that the U.S. is still the same U.S. of A. It's not. When someone. Uh, as a state coming after them uh, and goes through their entire savings and they, and they, if they had if they could live another 500 years they still couldn't take the state on if you can't afford um, what kind of justice is it, is it where, where it, it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to properly fight some charge that's 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 railroaded that's not justice that's power that's corrupted power of course it is and then the state takes away right, one right after another. Again, using all of its agencies. Well, now we've got this other agency, this health agency now. You know, it's privately owned, but it's a health agency. And, and they don't tell you better do what they tell you, you see. And these religious exemptions just won't stand up. No way. We can't have that. That's an abuse, you see. It's always the same thing, isn't it? It's a, you, they could never go so far as they've done without 
chipping away, chipping away, chipping away at religion, step by step by step. Most folk, the best Christians I've ever met, um, are quiet Christians. They'll stand up for themselves, but they're they're not the ones that the TV type, you know, they go around there uh, with the prosperity doctrine, you know, to make money. And God wants you to have gold now, you know, not not in heaven, like one of them said, one of the preachers did say a while back. But no, most folk are quiet, but they have their beliefs, and there's enough of them. They can be a problem to people who want to take all the rights away from them. Under whatever excuses go, the common good, you know, and the greater good. So communism always hammered at it. It was the first target of the French Revolution and the Bolshevik Revolution. Going on to the long-term Russian Revolution, the Soviet era. And here is all again, eh? same thing. Do you look at the characters you see on television or on the news spouting what they're spouting today? Do you want to have them as your supreme leaders and the supreme being over you? Do you really, don't you feel a bit of trepidation when you look at them and listen to them? Today, especially? <laughs> you better hear the warnings and motivate yourselves because everyone here is involved. Everybody's involved right now and you're all going to get the ultimatum given to you individually. You know that. You know, I look at different authors and the lives of some of these authors, like, like Aldous Huxley, a man who obviously was up there in the planning. He, 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 he was in because of his family connections and, and the big agenda. Uh, that's why he came out with Brave New World that science would dominate and control, and that's all there would be, no mention of a supreme being or anything above that sort of thing. Uh, some deity, some god. And Brave New World, it was just purely secular, and science running everything, right down to the breeding of people. And um, the non-human births, even, even or pregnancies, really, always grown in a test tube. To an extent, and and sperm and ovum came out of of uh, the same selected batches over and over. It had been, had they been altered to perfection supposedly. So you had the division of labor, the communistic division of labor. For those who don't know about that, that's what the, the alpha, the betas, etc., uh, were designed to do. And the alphas at the top were the natural leaders. They were designed to be the leaders, and there was alpha plus as well. But all the way down the way, right down, they had the division of labor was done right down to menial tasks for certain types, and and therapies and drugs naturally to keep people in line, uh, in their if the ones at the bottom with their monotonous tasks and repetitive tasks, etc. An advanced civilization that they created, but there's no mention anywhere of any particular deity. Religion had been abolished pretty well. The closest thing to it was in the the books from the savages, some of the savages outside their, their huge, supposed magnificent utopias, 
the cities uh, outside it was the savages, remnants of the old ones who were born naturally and things like that, very primitive people, they said. And the one of them, the main character in, in the, the book, The Savage, that they brought into the city to show him off, had read Shakespeare and other books too. He was talking about beauty and love and... And the, the people couldn't imagine that. He was mixing with their, the, the beaters and so on. Uh, they, they were too happy doing their own thing, free sex, different partner every night. In fact, it was illegal, I think, to have the same partner twice a week. Uh, very important, you see. No bond. You can't, if you bond to anybody, you could be a problem. For, now, there's two of you against the state, perhaps. It's much easier when it's just you <laughs> and the state's against you. So a family is taboo. But they bring him in, and they kind of laugh at him, and see, I think it's kind of quaint with these old-fashioned ideas of of bonding and bringing up children yourselves, and and all that. But they couldn't relate to him at all. But really, when you think about it, what it was showing you is that artificial humans have been altered, literally altered, genetically altered, to be created to be what they are by humans weren't really different. They weren't the same human as the savage at all. He was natural, and they were not. They were unnatural. What really changes? You're back into the same area, whether you like it or not, of not just philosophy, but religions going back for thousands and thousands, maybe even millions, who knows, of years, eh? of the questions that are asked about life in itself. And it always comes down to the same thing. That which is different from you. Different. Humanly different. Eh? And that takes him back again in a circle to the idea of all those that work in the realm of chronology. Back to chronology again. You must participate in your own deception. The armies of people paid big money from your tax money to lie to you and convince you and deceive you and manipulate you and nudge you into doing that which perhaps is not in your interest to do, your best interest to do. On behalf of your government that dishes out the cash to these agencies with the instructions, are you content being lied to? This is not conspiracy stuff. I've given the, the articles out for years, and even the recent ones, Within the sage units, the nudge units, etc., and and the ill one right now, it's ongoing right now with all these different levels of how to convince the public to do what they're told using psychology, right down to scolding and getting other people to point fingers at you. They're not quite there, and, and do, do to use all shaming techniques, all these terrible things eh, to make you obey and comply. And yet you're supposed to be. An individual being here. You're either free or you're not free. I hope you understand the difference. If you want to define what freedom means, or or chained, not free. If you have, if you're truly free, and the rights of a free person. What's the first lie they tell you to take those rights from? Well, you see, you could be endangering others. Because you're not complying. No, that's called tyranny, folks. It's been used before. It always ends up in a horror show. We know this from history. 
and and getting back to what we're talking about to the, to the same guy is this goes round. See, my mind works in it goes in circles because Malachi Martin talked about these characters again, like from the one he talked about in the library that he'd known for years without. Maybe at the back of his mind he suspected something as almost a, a subconscious or not even co- something on the fringe. It's not into the consciousness yet, but you, you, there's something there. And then it hits you one day. But look at all these folk that run the world. The ones who sit up there and, and, and um, lord over the general public with this air of superiority. All the top CEOs as they mandate the world they're bringing in on behalf of their masters, because they do have masters, these multimillionaire characters. They have masters, all right. You better believe it. And what are these masters? Where's the leading to, eh? You don't have to, you know, it's, it's, it's always been there. What I'm saying now has been said for thousands of years. But he talked about the perfectly possessed. Now, I'm sure psychiatrists can go off and pontificate for, for weeks about the same thing. If they want to, fine, let them, let them do I don't care. <laughs> but I've, I've experienced people like that who definitely have something in them. I have no problems with that at all, of understanding it and seeing it. And it's very real. And you have to say, are they simply just psychopaths? I remember, and I've told that folk this over the years, if you draft up a list of signs and symptoms of the psychopath, of the nature and traits of the psychopath, and you list down the signs and symptoms of the possessed, it's pretty well the same. In psychiatry, they've got this big puzzle. Oh, psychos, uh, psychopaths are puzzles. Really? Are they really such... Because, again, in religion, you don't say they're a puzzle. They're quite understandable. There's something in them. They don't react to horror the same way as we do. That's why they can commit such horror. And sleep at night, because they have no conscience. Where's the other place that you've been taught about something that hates humankind so much? It's the same, th- the same way. Well, guess where, eh? I'm just bringing all these things up because you've got to ponder them. You really have to ponder them. Because you're living in such deception today, really evil deception, where when you uncover it, and it's, it's eventually admitted, yes, we are paying all these psychopaths to brainwash you and lie to you and deceive you to get what we want for the greater good. <laughs> And, and literally handing them out from the, from the, the groups working for SAGE in Britain, huh? using taxpayers' money, to, to the groups that they put out the, 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 the instructions to all media on how to step up anxiety to, to frighten the people into compliance by exaggerating stories and so on. Whoa! This is admitted, this is published admissions here. What can our characters go home after terrifying the public and sleep well? Well, you can see psychopaths if you want. But eventually, you're going to see a lot of compliance towards these psychopaths by folk that you might know and local cops and everybody else. 
is to start to enforce all these horrible mandates on the public. And you will, individually, you're going to come down to the choice. You always knew it was coming. And it's a good thing to, to contemplate before it all happens, isn't it? In the meantime, as I say, step by step, hopefully you've done what I've mentioned, try and get a few people to at least help each other out, swear to you, help each other out, do it. Because you all need help, what's coming down the pike here. For basic necessity, just getting along. Because as I say, the food supply is a big target of those at the top. They want to destroy it to an extent, to starve you into compliance. I really mean this. You're in, this is war. This is, these are all warfare strategies. As we're going it's nothing to do with COVID. The COVID is a separate thing. It's an excuse. It's a milder thing than I've said. It's hitting certain factions of society harder. We know this. And you can guess as much as you want if it was all accidental or was purposely released. It's up to you. So what you want to think or believe. But put it this way, I, I see them all in it together. China and the West all working together. And for goodness sake, we know that the virus was in North Carolina and then through Fauci and the rest of them. Uh, they made sure it got to Wuhan, even France, Wuhan, to continue the, the gain-of-function tests on it and so on, experiments. I mean, there's no, there's nothing I really have to really guess at here. It's been published already by them. But evil has to be stood up against. And personally, no matter what you think, humanistically or secular-wise or anything, you should be really at least indignant at having your money paying these evil characters they're finding ways to shame you and force you into complying with things that you, you shouldn't perhaps comply with. Some indignancy would certainly help. I've given so many talks about the system. And they're total warfare, as I've said, as we've gone on my whole life long, and my parents too, grandparents, they either had wars going on, in between the wars you had great depressions, that lasted from the, from the, after World War I, right up into, into World War II and beyond World War II in Britain. And then after World War II, the folk were still in rationing up until the 1950s. And after that, they, a lot could even afford to meet then, you know. Sacrifice, sacrifice for the greater good, you see. And and then when, when the folks started to get a little bit, you know, the, the, uh, of money for the first time, a little bit, it took them years to get to even the 1980s before they started to actually see some money getting saved a little bit and so on. And And then... Margaret Thatcher privatized, which she shouldn't have done, the council housing systems, because it was technically owned by the municipalities, the people. And it guaranteed housing for all. All paid for by your grandparents and great-grandparents, you know, already. So how could you even sell them off? But they did. 
And then when they start to think they're getting ahead and so on, they're involved in all these foreign wars in the Middle East, masses of migration into Britain before that too, and then during it and afterwards across the whole of Europe because of it, the, 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 the blowback was, that was all predicted before they started the wars. It was part of the strategy. And then they give you a financial crash in 2007 and 2008. And, and uh, guess what? You're into austerity. And here's the next part of it and the big changes too and the complete reworking and rebuilding of a world society based on socialism because they've done, they're done now with the so-called the pretense of free enterprise and democracy has served its purpose. There's never a generation been given peace. Really. Think about that. They really haven't been given any peace. Wars, depressions, bank crashes, rip-offs, plundering of the economies. One thing after the other, eh? And yet folk want to preserve a system, because their brainwashed you think it was all real and it was there for them. They want you to try to preserve that system for them. So whatever you do, uh, yeah, you can't go back to the same, the same crooks running you. Can't do it. With the pretense, you know, that we're, they're there for you. <laughs> if I should have had really have had, had enough of all that nonsense. And you certainly don't want uh, the communistic replacement for efficiency's sake that the, the masters now want. Hmm? The authoritarian society. I know that when I look and listen to some of these radical front people who are put out there, they're all fronts, all of them. And you hear them completely altering reality as you live through the reality by what you're seeing and what you're noticing as, as news. And they're preaching radical communism with, with all of that which it entails, which is mass slaughter down the road, maybe even sooner than you think. you got to say, what is in these people? And even if you say, well, okay, they're front people for much bigger organizations, which they certainly are. Because I know for a fact they would change their tune if they're told to, to give the opposite points of view and they still get up the ladder to power. They, they would do it overnight, immediately. They're, they are what we call psychopaths, certainly. But is that all that's in them? And then you have to say, why would you accept a system where such psychopaths are picked and chosen and trained and employed and used by the elite to rule over you, to change you? Why are you doing it? Why are you accepting this? You're hearing them say it's blatant lies every darn day which can have no resolution any practical sense to bring peace on, on earth, put it that way, as meant to create incredible divisions. And because it's based mainly on, on Marxist uh, fantasy, it can't be satisfied anyway. It's a system based on hate with targets, and those who, who are taught to hate are told who their targets are. That's not going to end up peacefully. But the people at the very top of the world are backing them right now, backing them financially. Which tells you, 
And I know that uh, even the Irish Sentinel that they're talking about what should really have to be done if, if these characters are overthrowing a system that you're in and not for the greater good, to put it that way, then really it's treason. It's insurrection. It's, um, it's tyranny. In any real system, it would have to be dealt with and then put on trial for what they're doing and what they're going to do, <laughs> what they're talking about doing to everybody and dealt with and charged. But the problem, of course, is the fact that the structural system in which we live, the whole structure, is theirs in the first place with its police and everything to do with forces. When you hear force, like a, a military force or police force, th- these are their instruments which they will use. And unfortunately, the forces tend to always go along with whoever rules them. Even when a country's invaded, the police immediately go to work the next day for the new master. You know, it doesn't stop. And that's the unfortunate part of it. And uh, police and everything today is completely politicized with different uh, people being um, the, the focus of police attention, especially in the States right now and across Europe too, where other groups are left completely alone because they've got, they've got an elevated status because of any, some minority position or something like that. It's, there's nothing fair about the system today. It's been completely destroyed in, in regards to fairness and logic. But yeah, folk who are, who are deliberately paying to have the countries overthrown, to bring in the, the new system on behalf of those who already rule it at the top and have done it quietly for a long, long time behind the scenes. Um, for, and you, you're all going to have to suffer because of it, because they've decided to change their world, which they believe they own, without your permission to do so. Like, you have no rights at all. I mean, it's up to you if you want to accept that or not. But these people who are funding massive overthrow of a system that belongs supposedly to everybody. Okay, it's a farce, we know that. But supposedly it belongs to everybody. You're all paying for it. And they're changing it for their agenda at the top, using all instruments at the bottom for them, for themselves, and funding groups that are radically... <laughs> Uh, burning down parts of cities and so on, funding them. As I said before, under the terrorist law, anti-terrorism law, if you accept money from ter- terrorist organizations, you know, it's the same if giving money to terrorist organizations, you are classed as a terrorist. Well, what happens to all these CEOs and corporations here? You either have the laws or you don't have the laws. You can't select it. It can be selectively enforced. But this is the new system you need to be brought into with all these things in play at the time. The WEF, the World Economic Forum, has already stated, along with the Club of Rome and others too, that work for the big, big global structure. They've already said that all the sustainability rules that they couldn't get the public to accept, you know, like depopulation and post-consumerism and, and a serviced economy, all this, all this kind of stuff that I talked about years ago, 
if they couldn't get it done that way, they can get it done by using under the cover of COVID. And they could only allow the companies that would go along with sustainability to reopen. The ones who, who they, they, they deemed, and they're, and they're, they're, they're what do you call them, star chambers, you know, <laughs> where you don't know your accuser. Uh, they'll just decide that you're not sustainable, not essential, etc., and you can't reopen, yada, yada, yada. And you only accept this. Hmm? Oh, dear. Folk really don't know. And this is the sad part. The, the path, see, you're managed step by step to give in and to concede step by step by step by step. And the hope that somehow they'll miss you and it won't get as bad as you, as you suspect it might. That's how it works every time. This isn't the first time in history this kind of thing has happened. So there you are. Now I'm going to touch on a few articles tonight. But again, I've got to keep reminding you, go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, buy the books and discs, or donate to me. You can use PayPal, you can send cash. There's other ways to get money to me. Uh, checks, and um, I think MoneyGram too, so long ago. But uh, it helps me tick along. And remember, as I say, make a note of all the sites I have, my official sites, because they are mine. If you can't get my articles up fast enough uh, when when I put them up on Sunday nights, um, then go to my site first before. Because some people will take it, you see, to put up on video instead. They've got work to do and processing to do. And it can take longer times to do so. So if you're really in a hurry, you can get MP3 at my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But again, help me tick along and donate to me. Because really, you have no idea what we're going into here. Now, a few articles just to bolster what I'm talking about at times. But again, just the, the things that make you ponder about, as I say, like Malachi Martin and his explanation of things, is, is it really that far-fetched? Do you really think it's just that humans are just horrible people who just go into mass slaughters and so on? Or what, what takes them over? What, what's at the top that pushes this kind of thing? Yeah. And who benefits from it? You're, you're always going to say, who benefits? Well, the ones who plan it. But what's in them? What, what, I've met some of the characters up at near the top. And really, uh, there's something. There's no doubt there's something in them. They're as cool as can be, like cucumbers, cool as can be. And they, they're not, they don't get stressed. So, you, yeah, you could certainly say they're psychopaths. They're not stressed. Psychopaths can't handle stress, you understand. So they don't generally have it. They'll work off stress by, by getting into someone else's head near them, even a couple of people, and having them argue with each other. And they'll sit back and watch the, the conflict that they've started. They'll sit back and watch it. And, and that, that pleases them. They, 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 they get a release from it. That's what a psychopath does. They're perfect for that. It's an amazing gift they have, if you want to call it a gift. But the ones at the top literally can make horrible decisions, but to them it's all practical. They don't feel it, you know. Now, here's an example right here. Right? I've mentioned the Yale study that's ongoing and ways to convince the public. I might put up again the link to that one. Uh, they're getting paid by your tax money to convince you to go along with it. And they'll, they'll shame you and nudge you and get folks to turn against you and all the rest of it to make you comply and conform, right? Now, here's, here's one of these characters, these bioethicists, this, this fairly recent you know, term. Uh, 
I remember when they first launched them back in the, uh, the early 2000s, and you heard bioethics, bioethics, and professors would put out little bits and quips, and I mean, we're bioethicists, just, we know what's best for humanity, you know. All you have to do is convince the public to, to just go along with it, you see. Really, you're better as to decide for it. See, you haven't been trained to be a good psychopath. It's not easy to train you, because you, it's a gift that you're born with, being a psychopath. Huh? No conscience required. This is this guy, who's, a, who's one of them, right? Morality pills. Morality pills may be the U.S. best shot at ending the coronavirus pandemic, according to one ethicist. There you are. Morality pill. And it says, um, Parker Crutchfield, or it does not work for, consult, own shares in, or receive funding from any company or organization that would benefit from this article, and has disclosed no relevant affiliations beyond their academic appointment. Right? So, I, is he that as a resume to get employed? Who knows? <laughs> but I don't believe him anyway. COVID-19 is a collective risk. There you are. It threatens everyone. And we all must cooperate to lower the chance that the coronavirus harms any one individual. So it comes down to anyone, anyone getting harmed, right? Anyone, right? And that's an excuse that you've already heard from, from Fauci. If anybody gets harmed, you see, this is a, when you hear the same terms used, this guy's in on it, right? And it's a collective. It says it threatens everyone. Now, they started at the very beginning even uh, that, oh, don't worry, it's only that the, the, the immunocompromised and and the elderly that they get sick and might die from it. Remember that? Remember that one? Don't worry about it. That's what they said, eh? In fact, Fauci said that they didn't think the U.S. had done much to worry about at all back in January and February. Remember that one as well? But then again, so if you're diabetic or if you're obese, high blood pressure, etc., comorbidities, then you might get a problem. See, that's what they said. But most folk, you see, won't even know they've had it. But this guy re-changes re, re his reality again. It threatens everyone. How does it threaten everyone when a tiny minority gets sick and, and, and an even tinier minority get, die with it? Hmm? And so he brings it down to if it, if it harms any one individual. So his whole stance on changing the whole system, right? And, and you better just comply with, with your betters. Is it just one person could get harmed, right? That would be the first in history, even for a common cold. That kills some folk every year, too, who've got comorbidities or, or some simple flu. Among other things, that means keeping safe social distances and wearing masks, even though the CDC in May put it up on their own website, right, that the masks don't do any good at all against COVID. Right? So even though... The so-called top, top, top experts say it's no use to you. Guys like this are trying to, to for the greater good, want you all wear masks, even though it's causing harm, right? And the social distancing, as I say, came out of a computer model. Nothing to do with reality. And in fact, all countries have different distances you have to keep apart. <laughs> So he goes on to say, but many people choose not to do these things, making spread of an infection more likely. Hmm. 
when someone chooses not to follow public health guidelines around the coronavirus, they're defecting from the public good. So you're bad. You're bad. See? It's the moral equivalent of the tragedy of the commons. If everyone shares the same pasture for their individual flocks, some people are going to graze their animals longer or let them eat more than their fair share, ruining the commons in the process. Selfish and self-defeating behavior undermines the pursuit of something from which everyone can benefit. Really? So here's here's persuasion from a, a bioethicist at work, see? I should also add to him, because he also hasn't studied history, that the commons were taken from them by the lords, bit by bit by bit. If you look at the levellers in Britain, for instance, you know, and and the diggers, that when the diggers tried to keep their commons and start using it again, because they, they, they've been getting pushed off the common grazing pasture, and it wasn't just grazing, it was for vegetables, for them. that's all they had, most of them. And, um, I mean, vegetarianism was nothing new for the common people. That's all they could get. <laughs> and Walter Raleigh and, and these newly knighted people who were pirates, really, um, were the last ones that took the land off the diggers, the sent and the troops. But when, when he was given the land, Walter Raleigh was granted the land. As a, now that he was a sir, you know, by the queen. Yeah, that's a different thing. Anyway, I'm getting get waylaid here from this article. So you're all guilty. See, it's your own fault because you want something, and it's a selfish behavior. Democratically enacted enforceable rules. Where's the democratically enacted enforceable rules? Democratically enacted? Mandating things like mask wearing and social distancing might work if defectors could be coerced into adhering to them. But not all states have opted to pass them or to enforce the rules that are in place. This guy's got all the makings of a real tyrant, you know. Ooh. He hasn't given you one bit of evidence to see why any of this works. Even though some countries ignored it all, and they're, they're fine. And they haven't destroyed their economies in the process. So it says, my research in bioethics focuses on questions like how to induce those who are non-cooperative to get on board with doing what's best for the public good. To me, it seems the problem of coronavirus defectors could be solved by moral enhancement, like receiving a vaccine to beef up your immune system. That's a moral enhancement. People could take a substance to boost their cooperative pro-social behavior. Could a psychoactive pill be a solution to the pandemic? There you go. It's a far-out proposal that's bound to be controversial. No kidding. It gives you links to all this stuff. But once I believe it, it's worth at least it's worth considering, given the importance of social cooperation in the struggle to get COVID-19 under control. Hmm. So public good games show scale of the problem. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. You just won't cooperate, you see. You just won't cooperate. You won't do what you're told by guys like experts, you know. A morality pill might be the answer to it. You're not complying. Oh, we'll force you to take this pill here. Go right to your brain, and before you know it, you'll 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 sign on to anything. Right there, you go. That's his answer. That's democratic, isn't it? They're out there, aren't they? These characters. They really are. They really are out there, aren't they? Mm-mm-mm. Quite something. And then you get this one. Yeah. 
interesting again because you see all this stuff we're talking about here was planned years ago digital currency testing i remember in canada doing the, the, the articles on radio at the time it was on radio of places in canada where they were, they were testing out literally nothing but digital currency on credit cards and things like that and 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 um and no, no money at all, and giving folk the usual little incentives and extras to go along with it, using certain cities in, in Ontario, for instance, as the, the test beds for old idea. And then the World Bank came out a few years ago, saying it's, quite, it's about time now to get to push digital currency, and uh, and get rid of cash altogether. I did all those articles too. So this is the excuse to do it. You see, you need a good a good terror campaign to to push all these things forward. It works like it works wonders. So China's Commerce Ministry released new details Friday of a pilot program for the country's central bank digital currency to be expanded to several metropolitan areas, including Guangdong, Hong Kong, uh, Macau, Greater Bay Area, Beijing, Tianjin, uh, Hebei region, and Yangtze River Delta region. And the Commerce Ministry is currently running a pilot test in four cities, and they mentioned the cities too. And the People's Bank of China, the current central bank, is supervising the rollout of the CBDC pilot program in a city-by-city basis. Hmm? So we're going to use the, the, the digital yuan in a, for, for digital currency. And um, this is the network's, uh, the Beijing-owned China Global Television Network said test subjects would be able to withdraw money, make payments, and transfer money after registering with their mobile phone number. So your phone is the big key to us, as always. The banks are also testing a scenario where users can transfer money without the internet. So this is the way, and it ties in too with your, with your, with your, Basically, your, your social standing program, your, your social status, basically program, because um, everyone's getting getting that. And with with the COVID idea, everything is getting rammed through. Everything that they've been talking about at the World Economic Forum for years and years, and the Council on Foreign Relations, in their Foreign Affairs magazines, that the, all the agendas in the Club of Rome, they published it too. They can get all their agendas through under COVID. Isn't that amazing, eh? Like they just, they must be praising COVID for making it all happen. All of it. I don't mean some of it, but all of it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Eh? In Australia, Australia is quite amazing. I've mentioned before uh, that the countries that uh, England or London used to run rule, this corporation called Britain, you know, or, or UK, or Great Britain as it was then. Um, and it's a corporation, it's a corporation, a maritime corporation, eh? Maritime law, but uh, all, of its, all of its countries that were owned, basically, it was called the Dominion, you see, of Britain, Great Britain, and Canada was called the Dominion up until not that long ago, Dominion of Great Britain, Canada. Now it's just part of the Commonwealth again. Right? But says Australia, Australia is really going to town with it, isn't it? And it says Australian five and ten cent coins to disappear as pandemic ushers in cashless society. Well, Canada did away with the pennies and things, and they were talking about getting out, doing away with um, nickels, and then dimes eventually. They hope in the process too. And the, the little incentive is when you get when you're using cash, uh, you, you know, 
but the money's not there to give you the proper change eventually, so you get shortchanged each time until it's oh damn fed up with this, I'll just start using digital. That's what see how they prompt and force you and coercion to do what they want you to do, eh? And as I've said before, don't, when your choices are taken from you, eventually when crisis happens, then you don't have any other choices. You're done for. Don't laugh at having choices. So as is leading up the pandemic, coin circulation in Australia experienced a sharp decline in the use of five and ten cent coins. Can they prove that? Royal Australian Mint CEO Ross McDermott told ABC News he expects five and ten cent coins to be phased out of circulation in the coming years, adding that the pandemic has likely shortened the natural life of coins. Wow. There you go. Amazing how, how pandemics, pandemics done everything that they wanted, eh? They blame everything on, on... My internet speed is blamed on COVID. I'm not kidding you. Slow speed. Oh, it's the COVID, you know. And I talked to the guy, I said, well... Why don't you just give some, some antiviral medication and, or an expectorant to the satellite? Everything's blamed on it. What a joke, eh? Oh. Everything's... See, even with, with farming and the food supply will start crashing and all It's not because... It, it's not COVID that caused it. It's the response. This engineered response to it, preordained response that's destroying everything, folks. And killing folk. And more to come. I just want to touch on one thing on this article before I forget it too. Getting back to, to, to the value of life. And with bioethicists now saying, yeah, you shouldn't live more than 65 years. I mean, really, you shouldn't even get your pension. The state could do with that pension money and, and use it for better things, you know, that you paid into all your whole life. They've had professors come out and say this kind of thing. Again, it's bioethics, you know. It's to train you that you're a piece of you-know-what. Just take euthanasia. It's painless these days, you know. And it's cheap. We don't want to treat you for anything. You know, older folk cost money. Barack Obama had that in his, in his, in his speeches running for presidency. Oh, my grandmother, he was on his granny all the time. And she must have cost the state quite a lot of money. So what? How much money did he throw at the wars? How much money are they throwing at vaccine companies? Trillions of bucks across the planet. Trillions of bucks for all things that won't be used. Trillions of bucks to keep everybody from going to work. But, and then they'll try and tell you that to treat you for something, oh, God, it's too expensive. When you see a, a failure in logic and the continuity of logic, you're being deceived, folks. Hmm? So, yeah, back to the Reserve Bank of Australia recently published data showing the rapid decline of fiscal currency used in transactions over the last half decade. Yep. So, trying to say that, well, it's, it's time maybe just to get off cash altogether and use contactless payments and stuff, eh? And that way you can monitor every single person on the planet and withhold it if you're bad, bad, bad. And if they withhold it and they won't let you use your own account for a week or a month, they punish you because you're asocial or you've, you've been politically incorrect. 
You'll have no cash system to use anymore. Do you see how it starts to work, folks? Hmm? That's how the animals get trained. Hmm? Australia's big four banks remove thousands of ATMs. That's just a coincidence, probably because of COVID. And shut down hundreds of branches as the coronavirus crisis pushes a nation closer to a cashless society. And the COVID again, eh? You just shuts down all these machines and so on, and branches. So you're going to have to use nothing but cashless, cashless, cashless. Hmm? There you go. COVID, COVID again, eh? And then this article here. Um, there's a whole bunch actually on banks. Oh, a whole stack of them. <laughs> Doctors are banned from prescribing potential COVID-19 drug. Hmm? And this is in Australia again, in Queensland. Just new prescription rules brought into effect in Queensland Tuesday mean clinicians are banned from prescribing the drug. And it's that hydroxychloroquine one you're not supposed to mention. It's banned, you know, hydroxychloroquine as a COVID-19 treatment. So the doctors are banned from prescribing it and get a $13,000 fine. Isn't that astonishing? When you qualify as a doctor, you're supposed to have the, the license to prescribe anything you see fit. But again, that's in the old system of freedom. This is the new freedom. Freedom to do and obey what you're told to do by ones at the top. At the moment, hydroxychloroquine is an anti-malarial drug now used to treat autoimmune conditions such as lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Right? This goes on to say there's no solid evidence that's effective against COVID-19. But I'll put up articles too, because remember, you see, Fauci said during the, 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 the SARS and the, the MERS one, the MERS, it was effective. It was okay for that coronavirus, you see. But at that time, you know, he didn't really have his pals at um, Gilead going with antivirals and things, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's, apart from that, 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 this particular hydroxychloroquine is... Awfully cheap, eh? Awfully cheap. Mm. So anyway, yep, the, the bandit there in Australia. Mm. Australia's awfully authoritarian now. It's just sad. Was COVID-19 a cover for an anticipated or planned financial crisis? Mm. There you That's global research. And it says a major sign of financial distress in the US economy kicked in uh, mid-September two of 2019 when there was a breakdown in the normal operation of the repo market. This repurchase market in the US is important in maintaining liquidity in the financial systems. It goes on and on and on. But I'll put this one up for those who want to read about economics and so on and but, of course, it's all part of that, too. Uh, this is the Global Reset. They've said it, the WEF, World Economic Forum. It's a, big, it's a reset of all the currencies of the planet to go under the auspices, again, of the World Bank and the Bank for International Settlements. That's to get the final authority. Carl quickly talked about this in the 60s. It would end up this way. Here's a list of corporations funding, right? The defund the police movement, and it gives you them here. Uh, prominent corporations around the world bankrolling the defund the police movement. It's from the Daily Caller News Foundation, 
includes Cisco and Cliff Bar, Degree, DoorDash, Dropbox, H&M and Pokemon announced donations to organisations that seek to defund the police. Black Lives Matter, Global Network and Colour of Change are open about their desire to defund the police. And both organisations have received an outpouring of corporate donations in recent months. I think they also had government money thrown at them. Even though they're, they're Marxist organisations. Mm-hmm. Which means that those companies and the governments that are putting money towards these things are, are terrorists. Isn't that amazing? Eh? And again, the ones who are following them, the leaders know what they're, who's, who's paying them and financing. The followers are not. You know, they're, 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 they're always used. Always used. And I've mentioned before uh, that, that Millie Weaver documentary was put out last week there. I think it's on BitChute now. It was taken off YouTube. It's on BitChute. But it does go into that, regardless of what you might think of the, the documentary or what you did, your decisions are on it. But the fact is, it shows you the workings of uh, intelligence agencies, some of it, and how quickly they can alter everything in real time on the internet, including what you're doing or anything about you, or even to change what you're saying in real time. And change even information coming into you, even if it's voice in real time, as it's happening. And much, much more. And also to do with the big corporations, the military-industrial complex, that have already got the, a lot of these robot things they pushed put out into society. They want the, all they need is a contract signed. But first, you've got to get a problem and a crisis. So. It defund the police, the crime goes sky high until folk, including some of the mayors that were pushing already, are screaming and hollering. And, uh, and then come the robots, eh? the new system. You know, rethinking, reimagining police. You know, this is the term that UWEF comes up with in the Club of Rome, the reimagining. Bill Gates reimagining education, his system, stay at home and, and educate the children at home with computers, eh? Reimagining, of course, they give you the curriculum to make sure it's standardized and they're all equally brainwashed across the world. Clevery, <laughs> diabolical, perhaps. Eh? So, dozens of corporations around the world have collectively donated millions of dollars to left wing organizations that advocate for defunding America's police department and so on and so on. Companies including Microsoft, naturally, Intel, and uh, Airbnb have donated to Black Lives Matter, Global Network, and Colour of Change, both of which wanted to fund the police departments. And, uh, and a lot of cel- celebrities, too, def- are funding uh, defund the police movement. As they all move, some of these, they're all leaving Hollywood, eh? They're telling you to fund the police movement. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. There you go. I tell you... He goes on, on, on. So, yeah, I wonder if they ever stop and think, why are the richest folk on the planet funding them? The ones that they're actually complaining about, like this, the who rule and own the system, are funding them to create mayhem, to get what they want, you see. It's just, you wish they'd figure it out. Germany is to test a universal basic income by handing people 1,080 pounds, that's pounds, like British pounds, per month, regardless of whether they have a job, because it's from the mail online. So they'll, they'll give 120 Germans 1,000 a per month, and um, 
they'll experiment and test them how their behaviours change as a result. And it comes as support from nationwide schemes gain traction amid the pandemic. And Spain has already announced plans for basic income to help economy. It can't recover, folks, when you're paying folk not to work. Huh? How can the economy recover if you're paying folk not to work? But the whole plan really is because you're superfluous now. All your factories went off long ago to China and the Far East, and it was all signed in under free trade negotiations. Again, through the World Economic Forum, WEF groups all involved with the GATT treaties and, and so on. They probably weren't asked if they wanted it. Would you mind losing all your factories and all your employment and so on? And so it was worked out 20 odd, 25, 30 years ago that eventually you'd, you'd uh, get to the stage where they just pay you to stay home. And then now they're going to study them. They've done these tests before, by the way, basic income studies and so on. So they're going to make it run for at least three years. Yeah? And it comes as public support for basic income schemes rise across Europe amid the coronavirus pandemic. It's amazing. It's all you do with coronavirus. This, this virus is changing everything by all by itself. Right? Another one, too, is Fed's direct money transfers are coming. And Brainard says Fed collaborating with MIT on hypothetical digital currency. Oh, here it goes again, eh? I guess probably because of COVID as well, but yeah. And so this is, they published a, a remarkable interview one week ago on, this is on uh, uh, Zero Hedge, I think it is, yep. And with two former Fed economists, Simon Potter, who is also the former head of the Fed's plunge protection team for many years, and Julia Coronado, as close to Corona, <laughs> Coronado, who had tremendous impact and influence on prevailing thinking at the Federal Reserve and who hinted at the Fed's last-ditch reflationary strategy, reflationary strategy, wiring digital money into Americans' financial apps bypassing the reserve system entirely and sparking an inflationary conflagration. As I said last Monday, the two proposed creating a monetary tool they call a recession insurance bonds, which draw on some of the advances in digital payments, which will be wired instantly to Americans. Ah, hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> the US Federal Reserve is not federal, as we know. And... Uh, it's been it's been really a, a racket since it was created, but uh, it doesn't matter if it's ethically in charge of paper money or coin or digital. It's the same people running it. If you ever wanted a real war, that would be the one because they'll never give up that. You imagine the power to run the Federal Reserve, eh? Hmm? The power where no one no one investigates you. You are your own power. Huh? You've already heard in the past crashes like guys like Greenspan saying, that, oh, no, they can do what they want, basically. They're not subject to government dictates. Yeah, I'm telling you. So the Fed is planning to send money directly to Americans in the next crisis, it says here. Mm. And it's got links to that as well. Mm-hmm-hmm. Stay at home, stay at home. Pay to stay at home. But, but everything, there's nothing for free. I hope you understand that. There's nothing for free. And the more you do, 
for government or get from government, the more they demand of you. And they've got an awful lot of demands all lined up, step by step, until your life is going to be ruled by them. Roll up your sleeves, maybe once a month, who knows? Forever, eh? How about that? Or you want to eat good food, or here's some you have to, here's a few hoops you have to jump through in that case to get the privilege. Everyone's a privilege then. I hope you understand, I'm not kidding you here. This is what it's all about, folks. This is what's all going, very quickly. Very, very quickly. Never take anything from government, never. Because they will, they will, they, they want it in blood, <laughs> maybe literally. And, and payment, you know, the way things are going. And if you have a blood that they want, maybe more sport than you can imagine if they're after it. Celebrities, eh? Defund, defund the police. Eh? Or they're funding defund the police, I should say. <laughs> Movement. And it mentions uh, Anna Kendrick, Ellen DeGenerate, uh, DeGeneres, <laughs> I was going to say, Jennifer Aniston, Justin Bieber, Leonard uh, DiCaprio, John Legend, Livia Culpo, Rihanna have donated to organizations that want to defund the police. And Black Lives Matter, Global Network, Color Change, and so on, uh, are among the groups to benefit from a flood of donations from celebrities. All three groups are working to defund the police. And uh, the movement for Black Lives Matter wants to abolish prisons as well as police. So there you go. They've got a wonderful utopia. And it goes on and on and on. So they want to, to abolish everything that inflict violence on black people. So they, again, these institutions all inflict violence on black people and must be abolished and replaced by institutions that value and affirm the flourishing of black lives, website states. Utopia. Utopia. You understand that the problems in society today are so vast. People are dysfunctional because of a whole bunch of reasons. And never mind the drugs that have been flooding in and promoted. I mean, don't forget that drugs were promoted from, from with the pop revolution into the rock revolution. Promoted, 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 promoted. Society uses it all and it all goes to, you know where? Very quickly. Unintentionally. And then you end up with this kind of thing happening where folk have no work, they have no future, they seem to have no purpose, and they've they got lots of drugs. Now, and then their brains go with it. All chaos happens in their lives. They can't, you can't be functional and on drugs at the same time. And then you have all, the, all these fallout organizations set up to manage the, the chaos. doesn't work. So dropping, just dropping the police isn't going to be the answer, believe you me. It's much bigger than that. But again, all these are characters too. It tells you a lot of who they are and who make... The star machinery owns the people that they make star. They own them, the stars that they make. Oh, you understand? So, so they can call on these characters all the time. You know, they've got, they've got offers they can't refuse and orders they can't refuse. Mm-mm. Coronavirus. Governments are slammed for treating celebrities different to residents in quarantine. And again, we mentioned Kidman earlier, you know, Nicole Kidman. 
and it says Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman, as well as uh, Danny Minogue, whoever that is, have all been granted quarantine exemptions to self and isolate in their mansion homes in New South Wales and in Queensland. I think they also have, I've read an article, they also have two homes in the States, at least two in the States, one in that was Nashville, they're moving to, and one in LA itself too, you know, naturally. So, um... They've been granted quarantine exemptions to self-isolate in their mansion homes in New South Wales and Queensland. They were allowed to pay for their own security teams to ensure they could stay in their own homes while filming television programs. That's nice to be allowed that, eh? And Keith Urban and Kigby have all been granted quarantine exemptions. And um, Queenslander Nicola Ferguson However, we'll have to pay thousands for her stay in a cramped Brisbane hotel room after flying back from New Zealand, where she said goodbye to her dying mother and organised her funeral. Money obviously talks a lot louder than the average tax-paying citizens in Australia, she said. Nobody disputes that quarantine is necessary. It's not necessary from a COVID-free country. So Nicola Ferguson says she has to pay thousands for a stay in a cramped hotel room. Uh, and so on. And uh, she was denied a quarantine exemption of her own when she requested to isolate in her house, her own house, despite New Zealand having uh, currently having no community transmission of coronavirus. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if it doesn't even exist in that country. You know, it proves that it doesn't mean you had to pay for it, woman. Come on, you're not famous. And uh, so anyway, that's what it is, the rich and the poor, you know. And all depends who you are, doesn't it? So Queensland Health responded to a request by saying it does not meet the threshold for exceptional exceptional circumstances. But it's okay if it's Nicole Kidman. That that meets the threshold. Somebody's and nobody's, eh? There you go. There you go. But folk are are all flooding out of, say, L.A. I know that much. And other places too right now. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. And folk are, see, important, that they see, you see, that's essential for, for plays and dramas where they're incorporating all the story of the COVID thing into the dramas and that, to make you copy and comply and behave the way they're telling you to comply in the drama. It works awfully well. So they're essential, you see. That's why they do all this stuff. I'm not kidding you. This is not, I'm not being facetious here. This one's about China. China's national security law. They're, they're really going at it now in China. Reaches into Harvard and Princeton classrooms. Professors at the elite U- U.S. universities are turned to code names, warning labels to protect the students. Because um, this is the effect of the new national security law that China imposed in Hong Kong as extending beyond the territory to American colleges. And um, so it's course... Courses that uh, China considers politically sensitive. Uh, so there, anyone who's taking it from China, they're just giving them fake names and so on, so that China itself won't really know who they are taking these particular courses, supposedly. That's the excuse anyway. Now another one too is, it's put it by Google, interestingly enough, which is one of the biggest spy organizations out there. It's part of the massive world intelligence service, as Google. It was from the beginning. So they put out this article here, being the good guys, you see, because they're in it with Facebook and all the rest, and they're censoring certain peoples. And 
This is open letter to Australians. We need to let you know about new government regulations that will hurt how Australians use Google search and YouTube. A proposed law, the News Media Bargaining Code, would force us to provide you with a dramatically worse Google search and YouTube, and it could lead to your data being handed over to big news businesses and would put the free services that you use at risk in Australia. So it's a new regulation that's coming out. They're trying to say that... uh, like, it's almost like they're saying it's not really their fault, right? <laughs> this is under this is uh, under this law. Google has to tell news or media businesses how they can gain access to data about your use of our products. Well, they've been doing that forever. That's what Google's about. Mm-mm-mm. Giving big companies special treatment, eh? Hollywood support the ones who are funding all the the, the other <laughs> poor souls are getting their businesses burned down. The Hollywood apocalypse now. Rich and famous are fleeing in droves as liberal politics and coronavirus turned the city of dreams into a cesspit plagued by junkies and violent criminals. That's from the the mail on Sunday. And it goes into examples in a few yards, a few hundred yards from the ocean in sun-kissed Venice Beach, Los Angeles. Gold's was the backdrop for Pumping Iron, the 1977 documentary which followed a young unknown Australian bodybuilder called Arnold Schwarzenegger as he prepared for the Mr. Universe contest. Austrian, I thought he was Australian, the unknown Austrian bodybuilder called Arnold Schwarzenegger as he prepared for Mr. Universe contest. The film, the film, the film turned him into an overnight sensation, etc., this is yet today. Gold sits amongst post-apocalyptic scenes which have consumed much of LA, turning the city of dreams into an urban nightmare from which people are fleeing in droves. They're going to be the, mate, the makeshift tents. So, remember last year I did articles when I read them where you had oh, hundreds and hundreds of just mobile homes and just cars who were living in them on, the, on the main streets and so on coming in because they'd lost their homes elsewhere in other states too. The first thing you do is to go where you don't have to pay for heating, for goodness sake. That's, that's essential if, you're, if you lose all your, your, your financial uh, income. And the rents are so astronomically corruptly obscene that a lot of folk can't afford it. So I think you go to places where, yeah, where you can at least not die of freezing, like it is in Britain, they die in the winter. Yeah? And now it's normal. It's accepted again through because of bioethics, you see. Yeah. That's acceptable. So anyway, here's um, yeah, they, they, they talk about how bad it is now in L.A. It's the same in San Francisco, mind. And again, at this, <laughs> look at it too. You got so many thousands of people living in tents. You've also got everyone complaining in L.A. and in, in other cities too. When, it's, when these tent cities come up, there's needles everywhere because they're all on drugs. And often the, the syringes are supplied to them and in some places too the drugs are supplied to them by the state too. Safe injections, they call it. Come on, folks. This is beyond soma, huh? Mm-mm-mm. These are all techniques to create a class they will literally accept the final exit by the bioethics committees, you know. It really is. That's what it's all about, folks. Essential, non-essential. 
I, I said it years ago, dear, with all this demand of, uh, there's too many people, there's too many of you that are on about constantly from the top, the Sierra Club and all the other big groups that the Duke of Edinburgh belong to as an example, one example. Too many of you, David Attenborough, Christon, hmm? too many of you. I said, do you think they're going to keep you hanging around as pets when they've no work for you or no use for you? They can't use you to gain income? Do you think they're going to keep you as pets? I did this talk years ago. No, they'll convince you what they want you to do by making it so bad. By the way, I want to mention a series I'll put up. If I can find any links to it, I don't know if you can get access to it. But it was put up by Britain. 2013 called Utopia. It's a six part series. And uh, there's actually two. They have the first series and the second series. But the first is it's about literally what we're talking about an elite who already rule the world. This coincidentally, a secret society that is, you know, has all the power. Can, they've infiltrated MI6 and CIA. They've got members everywhere. And their whole thing is to prevent overpopulation of the planet by basically releasing a virus and then offering the vaccination, which in the early phases of the show tells you it will also sterilize the people who get the the vaccine. And it goes through this convoluted story with amazing graphic violence, just for the sake of violence and uh, sex and all the rest of it, and things that they, 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 through PC stuff that they shove in there. But um, yeah, the, the whole, a lot of the stories actually in there, including the twists at the end of that they want to eradicate most of the public. That's a big, big secret. Most of the public, not just sterilizing, but eradicate them completely and so on and so on, and to see some of them turning on each other towards the end. But there you go, and they have the big um, guys at the top that are into this, altering the genetic makeup of the individuals that are going to survive. And that's exactly what this new RNA vaccine is going to be by Moderna. <laughs> you alter your genetic makeup eh, permanently. What a coincidence, eh? I've always talked about predictive programming, how they give it to you in entertainment. So when it comes out in reality, it seems kind of familiar and you don't really question much. It seems natural because because you've been fed little bits and pieces of it. It is familiar to you. Even if you haven't consciously really dwelled on it, it's familiar to you. And you accept it more easily. The behaviorists know this, you see. That's how it's done. Lots of things like that out there. That's called Utopia. And they're the two-part series. And... Uh, and each each uh, part one has got six episodes. I think part two is the same. If you can get a hold of it, someone sent it to me, luckily, and um, and uh, it was interesting to to watch it. Predictable from my point of view, but uh, it was interesting. They even had it all out there. I could have Bill Gates type character in two thousand thirteen, who talked openly about depopulation, and so on. And just before I finish on that one, you find generally these characters who write these things are paid and and uh, and coached by the ones who really do run the world on that on the topics they're going to write about. The guy who wrote uh, um, "Make Room, Make Room," from which they took 
the story for Soylent Green. That's where it came from. It was called Make Room. And the guy literally admitted he was approached by some of the eugenicists at the top to actually promote that idea to the, in, in his story. That's what it was about, to try and get the public to, to think about it, that there's too many of them, you see. And so they, they would maybe not have children or something like that and, and persuade them not to do it. And that's where that story, uh, Soylent Green, came from. Make Room, Make Room was the original story about it. The same thing happened, of course, with um, oh, many, many movies, of course, and um, Logan's Run, that was one of the other ones too. It, it makes it sink home, the idea. Oh, there's too many of you. And the idea, really, I could, I could tell right off the bat with Utopia, was, and I bet it worked pretty well too for folk who really sit for half their life watching TV. Because these episodes are really padded to drag on a bit. And, but it's to get them talking about it, you see. And, and they'll find that groups will, well, I can see their points of view. Because they can put it across. And again, like the bioethics would put it across, you see. Yeah, you know, there are too many folk taking up the resources. And eventually there won't be enough food to go around. And enough of this and yada yada. There's even a, a part in one of the later episodes in part one. Or, or part two, actually. Uh, where one of the characters that are set loose, they've been trained in their sleepers to, to actually release these viruses in different parts of the world, uh, come out of hiding and and, uh, and throw off their disguises. And one of them talks to a woman and says, this nice child, did, didn't, don't you feel guilty about having that child? Then he goes into the usual sustainability thing that the but the, 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 that they've already trained people into all these different movements for Save the Earth and all that. And he says, do you realize how much carbon that child's going to cons- cause to, to be consumed and used in, a, in its lifetime? He goes into all the amounts of carbon that's been put out by Friends of the Earth and so And uh, David Attenborough. And again, the Club of Rome and uh, World Economic Forum, all the usual culprits. Because it's always been the same agenda. Always. It doesn't matter what guys they use to get it through. It's always been to reduce the population of all of you. And you can't please them. Don't forget the countries of Britain and other ones. The population, domestic population, has been plummeting with native British people, etc. And Scots and all the rest of it. For, for years, they've been awfully good. Then they get punished. There was not enough of you to pay off the debt. So we've got to bring in mass migrant. See, that you're not going to win <laughs> with lies. How can you win with lies? Eh? What always gets me too is the again the Rothschild statement that was when he was asked about when's the best time to make a profit, the big profits, you know, make a killing in a sense. And he, and he answered. He says it was when blood's flowing in the streets. That's how that's where the word term of killing comes from. When you got what they need, even if it's bandages or medicine, then you're made. You see. Well, just like the vaccine companies, they gave us billions, we might get up, we might get a vaccine that'll work, and you know, all these characters get instant billionaires. You lost them out right now. But you got all these other ones jumping on the bandwagon. Canadian biotech company says its antiviral clothing kills 99.9% of coronavirus. Now, did they have a handout for something? I don't know. It probably will be. But um, this Toronto based biotech company. And it's developing a new kind of COVID-19 protection, antiviral clothing. And um, they go into the usual sales pitch kind of thing that's going to be interesting and necessary, etc., etc. It's got a kind of chemical treatment on it, supposedly. They'll kill off the viruses and so on. 
and how how long it will last and how, how long it'll take to, to even kill the stuff but and how many washings it'll take uh yada 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 yeah I, mind you, I mean, what, what, will, what, will, what will this chemical do to you if you're breathing the darn stuff in all, and you're wearing it, eh? Hmm? Telling you. So the chemical targets the fatty molecules that surround viruses, destroying them in minutes. It's been tested on other pathogens too, including norovirus and H1N1 and E. coli. Hmm. So everybody's in on the act, eh? Everybody, the name that was in the act to try and get richer and richer. That's again, our greed is enough that destroys us all, isn't it? Really, the greed factor. Tyson Foods, an amazing company, Tyson. I remember it was a big, Bill Clinton was a big fan of them, a big pals of them too. But I think Tyson Foods helped create the meat crisis it warns against. And how will the U.S. meat industry change from coronavirus? And this article was on about it too. How they put a stranglehold on output, etc. And uh, there have been about 12 closures at U.S. slaughter plants this month because of coronavirus outbreaks amongst employees who were jammed together in processing lines. And it's wiped out roughly 25% of pork processing capacity. Remember, too, the more they test everybody, the, the more they're going to find coronavirus because it's, it's in the air from fragments <laughs> of people who've had it or animals who've had it, too. Yeah. Never mind that the te- most of the tests are pretty useless anyway, these tests, especially the swabs. Eh? So uh, it doesn't mean the folk are ill at the plants. So it goes into how come the company actually helped to to, to, to change the problem or cause the problem that, that uh, and they'll benefit from it too and actually get more business for themselves and then there one too Tyson joins Bill Gates and Cargill that's another big business agribusiness to invest in lab meat producer no it's a coincidence Bill Gates is just he's innovative where's vaccines and viral drugs you know education for children um, depopulate sterility, you know. He's just, he's just an interesting fellow who's got interest in these things. It's a pastime. Everybody who's bored stiff needs a hobby. You know, that's his hobby, you know. So he's at Tyson Foods again, boosting his bet on meat that comes from the lab instead of the slaughterhouse. Now, Bill Gates already has, has patents out and, and, and some of these, these um, artificial hamburgers and things, I think, too. These veggie burgers and all that. Again, it always benefit from the chaos that is the <coughs> cause <coughs> at times. Philippines bans chicken imports from Brazil on coronavirus scare. There you go. And uh, so imposed a temporary ban on poultry meat imports from Brazil on Friday after two cities in China found traces of the new coronavirus in cargoes of imported frozen food including chicken wings from the South American country. Mind you, if you did the same thing with with uh, that president, and was it, was it Tanzania uh, in Africa, who took, he, he, got, he took swab tests from fruit right? and different things like that, and also even from motor oil at one point, and they all came back positive for coronavirus. So he kicked the WHO laboratory out of his country. <laughs> Quite right, too. 
So maybe they, they should try that. But, but, you know, maybe that's what they're doing. They're just, uh, I guess they should test everything in there and probably find it all over the place, no doubt. Yeah. Depends who's doing the testing. So Brazil has the world's second worst COVID-19 outbreak after the U.S., recording more than 3.2 million cases and more than 105,000 deaths. Remember, if you've got that darn thing and you don't know you've got it and you have no symptoms of it, and you die of heart attacks or more accidents, well, they put you down as COVID. This is incredible what they're doing. It's been admitted to in a lot of countries, including the U.S., so you can't even take these, these death figures as, you know, as meaningful. So anyway, everybody's getting affected by it, eh? Everybody. Everything in society. Dr. Fauci says, aiming for herd immunity would lead to enormous death toll, he says. See, anything like normal immunity from your own body, eh? It's not profitable. So he's Fauci, he says, so... He says, it will cause enormous death toll. And um, so the, here's the, th- remember I mentioned the blood plasma treatment, where you can get the white blood cells, the, the actual the immune uh, cells, the response ones, you know, the antibodies to the disease from the blood plasma and give it to people who, who can't pull out of it themselves so well. And there's a big drive. I remember when I mentioned it, I saw it happening before it happened because the, sure enough, the Red Cross went into overdrive to get more blood. They admitted that it was taking the plasma. Well, where's it going? Why aren't they giving it to the folk who really need it? Or because they would say that they are giving it to the folk who really need it at the very top, eh? Hmm? So Dr. Fudger says, aiming for the herd immunity would lead to enormous death toll and the FDA halts emergency approval of COVID-19 blood plasma treatment. <sighs> what power this has got, eh? FDA. And Trump shares Fauci's advice on in-person voting amid COVID-19. And Fauci, who is this Fauci, eh? He issues a, a warning about Russia's new vaccine. And he slams disturbing Georgia school that reopened. <gasps> this guy is getting himself in a real tither, you know. A real dither, I should say. So he says a, a staggering death toll would come from the coronavirus, particularly amongst vulnerable people, if the U.S. allows infections to sweep across a country in a bid to achieve possible herd immunity. So letting that happen naturally, which happens always, even with, with the Spanish flu. You understand the, fl- the Spanish flu went away, didn't it, after about two years? Gone. That's what normally happens. It devolves its potency. That's what generally happens. I mentioned the article too from, from Oxford, remember, a few months ago, and I mentioned that one too, where the chief uh, virologist working on the vaccine over there at the time said that it was disappearing so fast in society, the virus, that they might not have time to actually come out with a, a, a vaccine. It'd, be, it'd already be gone, he said. And Fauci said at the beginning that oh, this is the whole the whole agenda that was was really part of the dark winter exercise too ongoing. With the mandated, they did lock the whole country down, yada, and lock up everybody who was healthy, yada, yeah. You know. And Fauci said you'll never get out again unless you get the vaccine at the beginning because it's profitable. <laughs> It isn't just money and profit. He works for the big society that owns the world. That's why he's got so much power in what happens. 
It's an agenda for reshaping everything. So he says, if everyone contracted, even with a relatively high percentage of people without symptoms, a lot of people are going to die, he says. The nation's top infectious disease expert. He's not an expert. I don't think he's an expert. I really don't. He's wrong in so many things. Hmm? He said at the beginning, remember, they didn't think Americans had much to worry about. Remember that one? So he says, um, if you look at the U.S. With, of America with our epidemic of obesity, as it were, with a number of people with hypertension, number of people with diabetes, if everyone got infected, the death toll would be enormous and totally unacceptable, said Fauci, director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And don't forget, too, his institutions that got money millions from Bill Gates, too. <gasps> really astonishing, eh? And he also says anti-vaxxers could ruin any chance at COVID-19 immunity, he warns. <gasps> oh, I'm telling you. Mm-mm-mm. It's also interesting, too, in their article, they're starting to worry about, about folk who might want to take the vaccine or, or a big movement starts. Eh? And so they might not need as much folk to have get herd immunity. If just 30% or something. I'll try to find the article before I finish, where they try to drop the, the amount, eh? And the CDC confesses to lying about COVID-19 death numbers. And this one goes back again to April, right? Just, just to show you again, you remember that how they were fudging the rules then. And the CDC openly admitted that it's fudging the COVID-19 death figures. Then, this is the article about, or one of the articles, and Dr. Annie uh, Bikasek, or Bukasek, MD, is placed in a presentation of how death certificates are made. Montana physician. It's really amazing, eh? But it doesn't change anything, even when things are exposed, because it's a huge agenda. Eh? Pre-planned, you see. I tell you. There's an article here from 2005. It's from Virology Journal. Virology. The big one, you see. 2005. Chloroquine. Is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. It's from the top one, the top um, virus or virology magazines, and articles um, in their journal. Yeah. It's a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. Now remember uh, that uh, this present one is called coronav- SARS coronavirus nineteen. With the base model really being the same SARS coronavirus. That's how you see it. It's got four inserts certainly added to it, but it's still SARS coronavirus infection, right? And they go through it too. We report, however, that chloroquine has strong antiviral effects on SARS CoV infections on primate cells. These inhibitory effects are observed when the cells are treated with a drug either before or after exposure to the virus, suggesting both prophylactic and therapeutic advantage. In addition to the well-known functions of chloroquine, such as elevations of endosomal pH, the drug appears to interfere with terminal glycosylation of the cellular receptor antigiotensin converting enzyme 2 it says this may negatively influence the virus receptor binding and abrogate infection with further ramifications by the elevation of vesicular pH, resulting in the inhibition of infection and the spread of SARS-CoV at uh, 
clinically admissible concentrations. So it goes on and on. It's quite a good article, actually, how it basically gets in and all the rest of it. And we know how it works, basically. There's little spikes you see on, on these little pictures they keep showing you all the time. That's how they really attach itself to the ACE2 receptors and, and download into them pretty well. But that, that particular instant of, of it touching the receptors in your lungs or your, in your nasal cavities or sinuses, I should say, that it, it really it has a little acidic response. If it's non-acidic, and it'll inhibit the transfer of downloading into the particular cells and invading the cells themselves. Awfully important, that little bit. So alkalinity definitely helps to destroy or inhibit the infection into the cells themselves. It's really interesting that to me. It's awfully similar to old sci-fi. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah, it was um, Andromeda. Andromeda strain, I think it was the first one, early one, where a, a satellite comes back to Earth, supposedly, and and people die in a town where the satellite is brought in. It's landed somewhere and someone brought it into the town, and everybody died off. But it turned out that folk, that, that the only survivors was a, an old guy who was a drunk, and uh, he, had a, he had a stomach ulcer, and he took, he took bicarbonate of soda all the time. And a, and a baby, uh, the, the system was alkaline to start with, it was on milk. And that supposedly is what inhibited the transfer of the virus, again, very similar to a coronavirus type thing, and, and into, the, into the body, because they, they need the acidity to transfer itself, that, that moment of transfer of the site from the spike to the to the receptor, and it's interesting. That's an old old sci-fi, and yet this is similar to it in the, in the way it's describing it here. And um, so I'll put these links up too. About from again, they're all from good articles written years ago, basically praising it for what it did. You know. Here's another one too, and I've mentioned this one already as well. More infectious coronavirus mutation may be a good thing, says disease expert. This is dated August the 18th, although I know I saw it before that, maybe a different article. But it says that uh, an increasingly common mutation of the novel coronavirus found in Europe, North America, and parts of Asia may be more infectious, but appears less deadly, according to a prominent infectious disease doctor. It's Paul Tambia, senior consultant at National University of Singapore, president-elect of the International Society of Infectious Diseases, said evidence suggests the proliferation of the D614G mutation in some parts of the world has coincided with a drop in death rate, suggesting it is less lethal. That's normally what happens. It starts to die off. He says, maybe that's a good thing to have a virus that's more infectious but less deadly. And it's true enough, if, you, if it's more infectious, but the symptoms are lessening all the time, you don't really mind it, because you won't even know you've had it. It says, most viruses tend to become less virulent as they mutate. Well, that's common knowledge, except they don't want you to really know that, especially if you're common. And um, it's, in the, it's a virus, it says, it's, it is in the virus interest to infect people, more people, but not to kill them, because a virus depends on the host for food and for shelter, he said. I said it's an amazing theory that too, where they, 
they almost give a, a virus this primitive thing. You can't really call it a life either. It's almost like a little robot. It's almost like a little machine as opposed to a bacterium, you know, where a bacterium has a, has a cell. It's like a little tiny little animal, but not a virus. It can go in inert a virus. It can, it can hibernate for a long time too. But it's almost like a little machine. But they have this theory about it as though it's like it's a living entity that they can think. Huh? And how would this little thing know? Uh, well, why not kill off its host uh, and not be done with it? I mean, it, it wouldn't know. It wouldn't say, I better not kill him off. It doesn't have a brain to think. So how on earth would it know that? But they, give, they always give this. I've seen this, this theory taught in medicine for a long, long time. So scientists discovered the mutation as early as February and it's circulated in Europe and America. As the World Health Organization said, the WHO has also said there's no evidence the mutation has led to more severe disease. On Sunday, Malaysia's Director General of Health, Noor Hisham Abdullah, urged greater public vigilance after authorities detected what they believe was a D614G mutation of the coronavirus in two recent clusters. And he said the variant has also been found in the city-state, but that containment measures have prevented large-scale spread. And he says the D614G strain detected there in Malaysia uh, was 10 times more infectious, and the vaccines currently in development may not be effective against the mutation. But Tambia and Maurer Stroh said the mutations would not likely change the virus enough to make potential vaccines less effective. So you can't find two experts agree on anything because it's all speculation, really, you know, and agenda-driven, naturally. It's essential all this happened because the agenda. How are you going to get a great reset and a whole new way of living and sustainability and austerity yeah? without it? And this other article um, by another top scientist, eh? it says... Um, COVID-19 was engineered in a China lab. An effective vaccine is unlikely. You're not supposed to mention China at all now anymore because we're all having CPC, we're all friends again, you see, and it mustn't upset anybody. And just matter what the truth is. I mean, so it will not be possible for, for Dr. Fauci's of the world to dismiss Professor Giuseppe's Trito as a crank. Not only is he an internationally known expert in biotechnology and nanotechnology who has had a stellar academic career, but he's also the president of the World Academy of Biomedical Sciences and Technologies. Uh, this again must be a reprint, because I know I read this one before, a, few, a month or two ago. Pretty sure of it, anyway. And um, maybe from a different, different paper or a site. So he's the, he was the, he's the head of the Biomedical Sciences and Technologies, an institution founded under the aegis of UNESCO in 1997. In other words, he's a man of considerable stature in the global scientific community. Equally important, one of the goals of WABT is to analyze the effect of biotechnologies like the genetic engineering on humanity. So in his new book, this world-class scientist does exactly that. What he says is that the China virus definitely wasn't a freak of nature that happened to cross the species barrier from a bat to man. It was genetically engineered in the Wuhan Institute of Virology's P4 
I Containment Lab and a program supervised by the Chinese military. We know this already because it was all admitted in the beginning, wasn't it? And we, we found out too from the top and from official papers in the U.S., that Fauci even okayed the transfer of the coronavirus from North Carolina uh, to Wuhan, which they helped and even gave a few million dollars to get it um, for gain-of-function experiments there. This is, this is not cons- this, this was all published stuff, eh? verified. And so the scientist goes into the history of it, which we've done many times before, and, um, and he says it was genetically engineered in the Wuhan Institute of Virology's P4. He says, too, that uh, he demonstrates conclusively, says the author, the pathway by which the PLA, the People's Liberation Army-owned coronavirus, was genetically modified to become the China virus now ravaging the world. This account leaves no doubt that it's a chimera, an organism created in a lab. And it connects the dots to the Wuhan lab to France and the U.S., showing how both countries provided financial and scientific help to the Chinese as it began to conduct ever more dangerous bioengineering experiments. And there's a woman in um, Wuhan, a scientist, I think she's missing now, they say she's missing now, who knows, let's take her into hiding or whatever, uh, for her own, own good, maybe even in China. But uh, that was her job, you know, and she had lots of papers out on how she altered different viruses uh, through, again, gain of function to make them more lethal. She got lots of awards for it too. This article goes through some of this, and uh, and he says too that he's doubtful that um, we'll come up with. uh, He was into the gain of function research and how Fauci was a big proponent of getting it uh, altered with gain of function, and he gave it to uh, the China to continue that, in fact. Again, it's all been published before. Anyway, because of all this too, he doubts that because it's, uh, it's that it actually says that an effective vaccine is probably unlikely. And um, it's on from there. Now again, Fauci, right? This, 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 Il Duce, you know, Dr. Fauci, it says, this is again from 2020, right? This is Dr. Fauci cheered hydroxychloroquine's success treating MERS, M-E-R-S, coronavirus in 2013, but today he's sceptical. That's weird, it says here. And it goes into, um, exactly two weeks later, hydroxychloroquine was deemed the most highly rated treatment for the novel coronavirus in an international poll of more than 6,000 doctors. And then Dr. Fauci was sceptical of hydroxychloroquine's effectiveness and it says that, but he wasn't so skeptical back in 2013 when he cheered the use of hydroxychloroquine and, and appeared effective, uh, it says, only in cells on lab dishes and treatment against the MERS, that's other coronavirus type too, you see. So he thought that even a testing in a lab dish in 2013 was particularly encouraging. But anyway, again, they've been working with uh, the Gilead Company for quite a few years, by the way, before all this happened. So yeah, I guess he's, uh, he seems to always under... You know, he picks the, the Bill Gates-type winners and the other companies' winners. and Yeah, I guess he likes winners. Also put up for Australia, it's a class action, I think, uh, against the government in Australia. 
for the, this incredible lockdown, this horrible lockdown they're having. It's a PDF. Like all of them, it's like 25 pages for these kind of uh, class action lawsuits. But I'll put it up for those that want to look at it. Also, um, the, the bad news again. Government may provide indemnity to New Zealand supplier of COVID-19 vaccine. Because, of course, as you know, uh, they know there's going to be an awful, awful lot of folk are going to die of it. Fauci said, and no, Bill Gates said that himself, didn't he? It was 700,000 might die across the world. I was hoping it was just the world he's talking about, not just one, one country, because of the vaccine itself. That's what he said in that uh, video. Uh, but so, yeah, they want immunity for the suppliers of these vaccinations for... Because you, you won't get all the side effects shown uh, f- until a few years are up, by the way. You could have all kinds of nasty things happening. Hmm? Just like the the terrible fallout from the original uh, Simeon 40 uh, flu, uh, polio vaccines that came out with all the cancers in them. Still affecting folk today. So the Ministry of Health has already, I guess they must have greased a few palms in the country to fast-track the approval process for the vaccine and won't rule out offering a supplier indemnity for any potential claims resulting from its use. Well, there's something you shouldn't do right away. Don't take anything that you can't sue them for or have them locked up in prison for. AstraZeneca to be exempt from coronavirus vaccine liability claims in most countries. This is another article here for the AstraZeneca one too. They're all getting their immunity from maiming you or killing you, you know. Or sterilizing you. Oh, wait, oops, we didn't know. Just like the movie Utopia, eh? or the series, I should say, a TV series. And uh, But here's the good news, eh? which we all knew already, because it's, it's quite normal what happens. A novel breakthrough, this is a question mark. New studies show memory T-cells offer long-term and pre-existing COVID immunity. So much of the talk about coronavirus over the last couple of months has been about antibodies. And, of course, Fauci said, well, we don't know how long these antibodies will last in you. That's why they want to keep sticking these needles into you. But they're found with, with testing that um, a lot of the tests have done on people who didn't even know they'd ever had the virus. They're finding uh, that they're, they're creating immune system, uh, cells. They've got immune system cells working in their bodies already. And it might be from previous infections from other COVID diseases that are actually working against this particular one now, you see? Because they're all coronavirus types that, that that they're looking at at the moment. So it's people who don't seem to have high titers of of uh, antibodies, but who are infected or have been infected, have good T-cell responses, he said during a Facebook interview last Thursday. And they found with other studies that uh, patients who recovered all produced memory T-cells that recognized and are especially engineered to fight the new coronavirus. So your own body's producing it itself. A third study pr- produced in Nature found that out of 18 people studied, more than 80% developed these T-cells. And they should be giving uh, immunoglobulin the globulin to the... Um, Folk who, who can't recover by themselves, who, who, who bodies are just can't, they're too weakened for whatever reason to produce it themselves. Give them the, give them the transfusions, of the, you know, and, and that's what the blood's for, for goodness sake, and treat them. But no, it's again bioethics. Well, you know, we we can't treat everybody. And these folks, you know, they've already said that. Canada was one of them. 
we have to work ahead of plans, make, make decisions on who should get the, vac- the treatments and who shouldn't get treatments to keep them alive. Because we won't have enough medications. This, this is before when you broke out. And even when it broke out, nothing much happened. And um, I've got another one too. A US Frontline Doctors website exposes a criminal campaign by tech giants, government agencies, to block COVID medication. Again, we know the one they're talking about. It's astonishing what they've done trying to stop folk from using this. Because they don't want you to get cleaning up. They want you all to get vaccinated. That was on the books before you even heard the term COVID-19. That was mandated as it must be. They're all, all in it together, literally, you know. And they're going to hammer anybody that comes out with any treatment that works. And it says, uh, IMF and the World Economic Forum for Great Lockdown to Great Transformation, the COVID Aftermath. I can put that up too. Another one too is um, Australian Prime Minister backtracks on plan to make coronavirus vaccine mandatory. So they want to have 95% uptake of the vaccine and uh, regardless, New Zealand uh, bolsters quarantine with 500 military personnel and South Korea and record daily rise. Mm. But no, they'll, they'll backtrack on it, but they'll make you wear a manacle and they won't let you out of your house unless just like a prisoner, you see. Make you a prisoner, make you a criminal. You, you, got, you, 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 you won't take the vaccine, you're a criminal. COVID-19 mandatory mask or face covering bylaws. There's another one too of Toronto. They come out with all this nonsense, even though the CDC in May came out with with a big article on their own site saying uh, none none of the masks make any sense at all. They they won't save you from giving or receiving COVID uh, infection. This is from the makers of the masks eh? and the CDC approval. Virginia plans mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations for all residents. There's another one too. Even though they say it's peaked, and it's starting to fade. The state of Virginia has set a new precedent by seriously discussing forcing Virginians to be vaccinated with whatever rushed-to-market uh, candidate the FDA approves first. They're all getting bribes, that's what it is to, you know, these politicians. Number one, two, is depopulation through forced vaccination, the, three, the zero-carbon solution. And that's by her good friend Helena Handbasket, because we all go to, you know, we're in it. And um, this original article was first published, issue four, the Sovereign Independent, June 2011. And uh, so this is uh, the Zero Carbon Solution by Rachel Windier. Mm-hmm. Even, see, we are carbon life forms. I mentioned this for the last 25, 30 years. We're carbon life forms. We are the target for all. It's our fault. Everyone's our fault, you see. Carbon reduction, carbon reduction, carbon life forms. Eh? This is an interesting article here. Government cameras hidden on private property welcome to open fields. How the government's now with them um, in Tennessee. A, ten- a Tennessee landowner moved a game camera secretly strapped to a, to a tree on his own private land and been put there by wildlife officials in order to monitor his activity without apparent sanction or probable cause. So he removed it, and he got, he got, he got a SWAT team on him for, the, for removing their property, that which they had put on his land. <laughs> on, a, on a stakeout, right? 
and uh, no, no probable cause or a search warrant or anything to do it. Yeah. So it says, welcome to open fields, it's called. Mm-mm-mm. So it says, um, most Americans assume law enforcement needs a warrant to carry out surveillance, but for roughly a century, SCOTUS has ruled that private land is not private. Fourth Amendment uh, protections against unreasonable searches and seizures expressed in the Bill of Rights only apply to an individual's immediate dwelling area, according to SCOTUS. So the open fields doctrine has been bucked in Mississippi, Montana, New York, Oregon, and Vermont. See, unfortunately, the U.S. is over, over-regulated now, just like the country Britain was already over-regulated <laughs> when they all left, left it to, to go to America's. That's why America prospered so well, too. Lack of government interference and regulations in all businesses that help folk get off the ground. Now, you can't get anything started, even in your garage, without permits and, and inspections and fees galore, eh? Now, there are a few other topics I just want to squeeze in to this talk without going over any excess time. And one of them is uh, someone sent me a link to, I think, a Twitter, where um, it came out from the Netherlands, Holland, with the police brutality against protesters, against wearing face masks. And you see him laying into the people with big batons, young, frail, well, actually frail-looking women, actually, getting hammered with these batons. And that's what you get in a system that's been that's ultra-politically correct and very obedient to the state, generally. That's it. Holland's very much so, always obedient to the state. And in the meanwhile, they had riots on the go for quite some time, and the present, to the present time, too, with, with immigrants who have come in who are protesting and, and demanding and rioting in parts of the country there, and the police won't touch them. That, that's what it's come down to now. So I've said before, if you don't belong to, to an elevated special interest group, or are classified as a minority or whatever, even if they're not a minority in some countries, uh, then you won't have any rights at all, and the police will just turn their angst onto the general population. They have no powers or anybody to speak for them, and that's what happens. So, yeah, if you don't wear a mask, they'll lay into you there with batons, and you'll see it happening. Uh, little clips from it. I'll put the links up for that. Also, I'll put the links up for two other things as well, to do with Belarus, for instance. We've got to remember... Uh, that Great Game India exposed World Bank coronavirus aid comes with conditions for imposing extreme lockdown. And that was what they put out about uh, from uh, Belarus. And uh, and Belarus president, that's now under fire actually, <laughs> after winning the election, uh, he was targeted because he refused this massive aid, way more than, than they needed with all these conditions for to, for, to put them under the control of the World Bank and the IMF. And um, he said this, he says it's way over, it's about nine-tenths what, what they actually need to get through this. But the, but the conditions were extreme lockdown and, and Italian-type lockdown. He didn't want Italian-type lockdown. He said he wouldn't want this happening, what happened in Italy to happen here, he said. So he refused this massive loan, you see. So immediately the, the EU parliament turns against him. And now they've got uh, a kind of colour revolution. A lot of young women uh, protesting him winning, just winning the election there. 
who knows what the situation really is. I'm sure all countries are corrupt, you see. But he, supposedly he won out. No, no different from here or the States. <laughs> it's just in the open. It's always really been there if you, if you understand what happens with elections. That's, that's, that's the way it is. But anyway, he turned down the loans and immediately he became the enemy of the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and the European Union. So remember, they, they control the world. This is part of a big structure that controls the world. And he said he wouldn't go along with it. He wouldn't become the latrine, he said, of of the European Union. In other words, because if you truly are taking, just like Franklin said, Benjamin Franklin, if you take the loans that are given to you, you're, you're now the borrower. And he says, never a, a borrower, nor a lender be, although he borrowed himself to get over to England to, to meet some important people in the financial areas in the financial district. Different story again. But anyway, that's how it is. Those who you owe money to end up ruling you, and that's that's which that's basic basic um, economics. That's what it is. So I'll put these links up, and as I say, he he became unwilling to accept additional terms to to get forgiven loans as well. And they wanted to give him nine hundred and forty million dollars in rapid financing. He said, "We don't need all that." And along came the demand. So I'll put all these links up, including uh, this this new. Um, Color revolution. It has all the all the all the traits of it, not signs and symptoms of it, where the young women must wear white. It's standard stuff. And then Bill Gates, interesting enough, uh, he said that if thirty to sixty percent of Americans take coronavirus vaccine, it is is contradicting his little low down employee. I call him employee Fauci. He's a, he's a really employee of Gates. They all are, including the uh, the characters that run the WHO. They're all under Bill Gates' financial uh, demands and so on, because he's a boss. So Bill Gates, after Fauci says, you've got to get up to 80-90% vaccination to get to stop. Uh, Bill Gates contradicts it and says, 30-60% to 60% of Americans take the coronavirus vaccine, exponential spread will stop and it'll bring the pandemic to an end. So there you go. The guy who has no qualifications in anything except making money. Uh, and being elevated by a bigger society that runs him, in fact, uh, tells you that only it'll take 30 to 60%. And even that's a big difference, a jump. I mean, it's a big difference between 30% and 60%. This is the kind of figures that they give you all the time on these things as they test the waters, because you know most, a lot of folk aren't going to take this. They've, they've had it with, with the nonsense, with uh, compulsory vaccinations as they take over our lives huh? and changes and sicken a lot of people too. And this is horrible, the horrible reactions a lot of folk have had to vaccinations and, and the permanent damage it's caused a lot of people uh, with um, incredible immune responses to their bodies and the damage to their immune systems too. Is, is, they, they can't keep sweeping it under the rug and banning folk from mentioning it, even the victims themselves. How could the disgusting thing to do is ban victims from talking about what happened to them? Huh? There's totalitarian tyranny for you. So I'll put these links up for you to peruse for yourselves and see what you think of it. As I say, it's, it's, there's so much to cram in, you can't do it all. It takes, all takes time and work and etc. But for those who want to know, there you go. I'll add these ones to you. So there you go, folks. That's a rush through everything. And I hope uh, you'll get something out of it. But you're all getting coming to the, to the stage. You've got to start realizing... You, you personally, every one of you, 
is going to be forced by this system we're in to make decisions and uh, comply or not to comply with the incredible totalitarian regime that's getting rammed down our throats for a very long-standing and old agenda this using it openly and admitting it in some records in some records is an excuse to ram it all through including the WEF with its economic forum the next step of their system to rule us all yeah? and training us into their new system the global, the great reset the global reset this is for reset of culture of living of ideas, of nationhood no nationhood, globalism all that stuff and expert ruled society Again, technocracy, the same as China. For yourself and figure out what communism in China is, is technocracy. They tell you what to do and you obey for efficiency. That Justin Trudeau said in Canada, he admired China, how they're handling COVID. You see, they didn't have to try to pamper to the people in, in an individualistic society with individual rights and freedoms and all that. They don't have to bother, but they can just order you to do it and you do it. He admired that. He, tell, he told the truth. So if you want it uh, in Canada, it's up to you. A lot of people will comply. A lot of folk are, will quite like socialism, actually. But you don't have to think for yourself. You'll, all your decisions get made for you. So anyway, remember, folks, go to cuttingfreematrix.com. Send a few bucks my way, hopefully. <laughs> and I can hope, I can possibly keep ticking along for a lot. As we go through this, this is the biggest change in your lifetime right now. you probably see. This is real history in the making. And you're watching it all come out. All the, the tyranny, the stuff that you'd read about in history books thinking, well, thank God that happened in the Middle Ages. It never happened today. <laughs> really? Huh? You're living through it. You listen to the tyrants. And there's lots of them now on board, all working against uh, the, the system that you thought was yours. <laughs> Big wake up, eh? So yeah, send a few bucks my way, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I'm Alan Watt. I'm from Ontario, Canada, Northern Ontario, where I live or exist. It's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. Mm-hmm.